0: Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity. So you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you then you too can fuck off. Pop Culture Leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cockfistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, tfs 706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy.
1: Episode 358.
0: There's already like seven million
2: podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the
1: leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix hey, it. It less and breaks the tough to wear party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture pushed
2: over. Pop culture leftovers. And the uncool kids.
0: What to say's already been said. Let's go for sure. Only talent is the band that's singing. Hope culture
1: leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast. With the balls to bite a radioactive spider, is Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one.
2: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian.
1: I'm Jake. And we're
2: The, leftovers. the leftovers. Jesus Christ, we've been recording for at least half an hour and we got none of it. Yeah! Whoops! Whoopty Fuck! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I don't know. I, I, are, are we glad that we lost some of that, Jake?
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, probably some of it. I think it was seventy percent good.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, what is that noise? Now, now, so- now, now we've got this fucking noise.
3: Yeah, I don't know Sorry, what it that was- is. It may have been me. It's possible.
2: What are you doing over there, Stephanie?
3: Cracking over another white claw.
2: Oh yeah. I seriously, Jesus Christ, I don't blame you because it's fucking we've been talking for thirty minutes about and now no one's gonna get to hear the magic that we recorded.
1: It was magic yeah there were some moments there there were some moments
2: oh my god we did the itunes reviews and i apologize for everybody that sent in we read three itunes reviews and i apologize to everybody that sent in itunes reviews i'm not gonna read them again but thank you so much for fucking sending them but i just can't we can't read them again because we can't relive what we
1: just fucking said no no we'll have to sit on them a week come back next week with our comedy stylings
2: (laughs) was that what you were
1: doing jake (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> i mean no one's gonna hear it we can pretend right sure
2: sure yeah the amazing comedy stylings of jake that was i was on fleek this week i guess is that what the, is that what the kids are saying
1: did you say on fleek yeah <laughs> they were saying that like 10 years ago i think
2: yeah no, no, I, i'm not hip and i was actually trying to not be hip that's why i said fleek it's part of the joke oh, okay. there Com- that,
1: that's my comedy stylings jake it was good, it was good. It went over my head. It was too highbrow.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, fuck man. That was like 30 minutes gone down the, t- they, they're not gonna get to hear me sing Whitney Houston. None of that shit. Jesus Christ. I'm sure
1: in the future you'll sing
2: Whitney Houston. And probably, I'll probably be drunk as
1: fuck. Anyway,
2: Jesus Christ. That's a, it's a, it's a little depressing you guys getting, didn't get the, am I, I, I gotta check and make sure I'm recording this. <laughs> unfortunately i am <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> oh man so thank you know we got three itunes reviews and i want to thank everybody that did send one and uh i really do appreciate it but i'm not going to be reading that bullshit again so uh let's see here what the
1: fuck i think we have to uh properly introduce stephanie again
2: <laughs> hey welcome stephanie how you doing Hey <laughs> mm. it's fucked up Stephanie's like I get I get on this fucking podcast to record, and my time is valuable. And then Brian doesn't record any of this shit. It hurts. Yeah, it fucking hurts me too. I fucking I fucking I didn't have the comedy styling of Jake, but I came in here with a couple zingers.
1: <laughs> the singing was. My I'm, I was not spent. Now I got nothing. Those were all my best jokes.
2: No oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's of course that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah stephanie you can you can you can tell everyone the legend of how amazing that the original segment was it was great yeah you see yeah you sound convincing
3: it was good. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have the zingers like Jake has about it being his best set and all of that stuff i have to think of ways to jazz it up when I talk to people. When I talk
2: to people, it'll go down in history, for sure. Oh, my God. I haven't explained everything. Oh, why do you do this? Ugh. Sorry. Um. <laughs> 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 Guys, uh, let's see here. Oh, I do want to jump into this. I'm glad I didn't go over this yet. Um, we are offering another contest, a new contest this week. Um, you could win one of five digital codes for the new film Wander, Aaron Eckhart and Academy Award winner Tommy Lee Jones star in the edge of your seat thriller Wander, now available in digital and on demand. When a private investigator with a troubled past is hired to investigate a suspicious death in the town of Wander, he becomes convinced that the case is linked to the same conspiracy cover up that caused the death of his daughter. Buy or rent Wander and watch it tonight. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. All you need to do to, for your chance to win a digital copy of Wander is just retweet on Twitter or share our Facebook, uh, Facebook post about Wander. Take a screenshot, send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com. Subject Wander and I'll announce the winners on next week's podcast. Subject Wander, not contest entry or any of the other bullshit you people put sometimes. The subject is going to be wander. Nothing else. Not. It's, come on. It's not hard. Wander. W-A-N-D-E-R. Wander. And uh, Adam Cornett, you did send the last entry to the right email address. So good job, buddy. You did it. You were fucking up a couple of weeks before, sending it to the God knows where. Some bullshit email address I never told people to send it to. But you found a way to send it there, Adam. But now you're back on track, buddy, sending it to the right address. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you for doing what everybody else has been doing this whole time.
1: So thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a shout out. I know. It's, uh, <laughs>
2: feel the love. Feel the love.
1: So. That movie sounds interesting. I love me some Tommy Lee Jones. I hope he's the bad guy in it. Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched a trailer or anything. But yeah, I like Aaron. I like Aaron Eckhart and I like Tommy Lee Jones. So yeah, check out, uh, check out a trailer or something. Just, you know what? If you want to win a copy, send a fucking email in. There you go. Let's jump in. I goddamn it. I, we're, we're off on a wrong track this week because I didn't hit record and we we lost like 20, 30 minutes. And now it's just, it's bugging me, Jake. Can we get, can
1: oh, we? Oh, don't let it get to you. We'll get past this. Can we get past this? Yes, for sure. No jokes related to the 30 minutes we lost. None of that shit.
2: Yeah, we can't do that. Because we can't call back those jokes because nobody's got to get them.
1: You, you, I know, I've almost done it twice already. You tend to do that. You tend to do that a lot i know i'm bad at that i always fail at that mission that's why i'm verbally saying it to uh make it a reality that it won't happen
2: put it out there that you fuck up a lot you should you should let us (laughs) oh i did yes yes (laughs) all right let's uh stephanie welcome glad to have you. you glad to welcome you back a second time
3: Glad to be back.
2: Yeah, welcomed you moments ago and welcoming you again. It's uh, as fresh as the first time. Feels like it just happened.
0: Feels like it just happened. <laughs> feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time.
2: Nobody's gonna join in. Fuck all of you. Like, they, <laughs> Who is that?
1: Is that foreigner? Is, is it foreigner? I don't know. <laughs>
2: We should start a music podcast, me and you. <laughs> I
0: for it
3: it.
2: Just uh, uh, just an indecisive podcast. We're uh, about music, where we just bring is up that songs. Boston? I don't know. Bring up songs, and we're like, yeah, that could be Boston. I don't know. Uh, it's not Journey. It's not Journey.
1: No, no, Journey's always like way more ballady.
3: Yeah. This foreigner
2: all right Uh all Uh, right
3: were you really asking
2: i think we just recorded our first episode of our shitty fucking music podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's how we did it It is it
2: it always just ends with stephanie googling who's who fucking sang it
1: (laughs) that's exactly what i did (laughs) it is hard that's episode two all right yeah yeah (laughs) oh man man foreigner's got a ton of hits though i love foreigner
2: oh yeah Yeah, who
1: are they Oh, they have urgent oh i love that
2: double vision cold cold as ice do you remember Uh, i've brought it up before my one of my favorite episodes of fucking aqua teen hunger force is when the moon knights moon knights go to the to the fair and they play those fair carnival games and they win the foreigner belt and it gives them the power of foreigner the band and oh so,
1: yeah, that's fucking awesome.
2: <laughs> they they give they give master shake they give master shake double vision and then they freeze them all in the pool. They're as cold as ice. It was a fucking hilarious episode.
1: Doesn't Carl like get it from their garbage can at the end of the episode or some shit like that?
2: Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carl's
1: my favorite character.
2: Yeah, I love I love fucking Carl. I love that show. Mm. Anyway, biggest news of the week. Let's jump into the biggest news of the week. I'm going to go out of order this week. Not going to be doing good pop, bad pop right off the bat. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, this news. It dropped. Uh, I'm going to be reading it from The Verge. Warner Media is pushing even more aggressively into streaming by releasing every single one of its movies in 2021 simultaneously on HBO Max. There are some limitations to the new business model. The movies will only stream on HBO Max for one month before leaving the platform for a period of time, and they will also play in theaters simultaneously, keeping the relationship with movie theater distributors like AMC and Regal. The plan is to run this experiment for one year. For people who don't have access to HBO Max in their market, it appears that theatrical releases will still be the go-to option. The movies Warner Brothers is planning to release for now include The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't know if that was a title of our movie or me personally leaving a note in here about <laughs> people that wish I was dead. Uh, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, Reminiscence, Malignant, Dune, The Many Saints of Newark, King Richard, Cry Macho, and The Matrix 4. Uh these titles could change depending on delays. All films will be released on the HBO Max and 4K Ultra HD and HDR. And uh Yeah, that's right now HBO Max, you can sign up for six months. Um with the it's like yeah, it's sixty nine ninety nine. It works out to be just under twelve dollars a month instead of fifteen. So they got that deal going on. They did pull their free trial. Because they're not going to want people to be able to watch Wonder Woman for free and then just ditch the service, so they did pull the free trial, but they are offering it at a discounted rate. So, um, yeah. What I I guess I just want to jump into like your thoughts on this. Um, I think I'm. I'll start off by saying that I'm going to say that basically I think this is the. This is going to be the death of movie theaters as we know them. Yeah. They'll be around. We'll still have movie theaters, but what we know is the movie theater experience right now is now dead,
1: in my opinion.
2: What were you saying, Jake?
1: Yeah, I was going to agree with you. Like That opening night pandemonium with these big movies is pretty much officially killed if you could just sit at home and watch these.
2: Well, I'm I'm talking about just movie theaters dying off in general. I think that we're going to see a lot of these theaters go away and what the ones that do weather the storm that stick around are going to be raising prices. And it's going to be more of a premium kind of boutique experience. And I've been saying this, you know, for the past year or so that I see that this could, this could happen. I didn't, I didn't see, I mean, we talked about this even before COVID. I think this is just putting the nail in the coffin.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the streaming wars have definitely just really kicked into high gear with this news, and yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, AMC has already released statements, and they're they're very unhappy. I mean, they they see the writing on the wall too that this is probably the fucking nail in the coffin for the theater experience. Yeah,
2: I mean it's, <laughs> I don't know. I think like you're gonna have theaters that are gonna be doing things to get people to come in, and and hopefully theaters will be cleaning up their act and shit like that. I mean. But um to make it to make it more enjoyable for everybody to go, if you are going to go to the theaters, you want it to be an experience as opposed to just fucking AMC just feels like it's the McDonald's of fucking theaters because you go in there and people are on their phones. People are talking and it's just it, you know, you're there to see a fucking movie. But then again, if you go right now to like if you could go to an Alamo draft house, it's a completely different experience. Like they're there to to really give you a theatrical experience. They tell you not to get on your phones. If they see you on your phones or they see it, you, you know, fucking texting or whatever or talking, they ask you to leave. And so, I mean, I, I just I see. I just see kind of like AMC and Regal and Cinemark and some of these. Uh, I don't know how they can weather this storm. I don't know how they can weather this storm. And this is going to hurt this is going to hurt theater vendors. I mean, it's basically like, this is a whole slate of movies that, that yeah, they, they, they're they going to release in the theaters, but people are just going to be able to get this at home. And who's going to follow suit now? Like now that Warner brothers has done it, like now that Warner brothers has done it and like they can put out here in this press release that it's only going to be for a year and that they're just testing this. I think that once it proves successful, And I I am saying it is going to be successful. I think it's going to be super successful. I think once it proves successful that some of these other services are going to like possibly go the same route. Are we going to see Universal start to do this? Universal's already made deals, but like are they going to, are they going to be doing something different now? Um, Disney, December 10th, we're getting the Disney, um, investors meeting we had that uh that tra that uh disney commercial disney plus commercial that came out that might be real might not be real we don't know but like even if that commercial wasn't real were they planning something like this anyway were they planning something where like they're gonna follow suit with warner brothers and do something like this and pull the m- movies from the theaters they've already pulled mulan from the theater they've already pulled soul from the theater are they going to pull Black Widow from theaters and then drop it directly onto Disney Plus with a premium price or just go full on HBO Max original with Wonder Woman and give it to everybody for free? Here's the difference between, I think, HBO Max and Disney Plus is the fact that Disney Plus had a five year goal that they wanted to hit by 2024. They wanted between 60 million to 90 million worldwide subscribers by 20 uh, September of 2024, five years out from when they launched, they hit that number in eight or nine months. So they're ahead of the game. So I think that HBO Max at this point, they are, they realize that in order to get new subscribers, this is, this might be what they have to do to get those new subscribers because Netflix already has us most people have a netflix account um and 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 disney was next disney was one of the big ones that was next a lot of people even maybe drop services to get the disney plus cuz they had to see the mandalorian they have to see these marvel shows that are going to be coming out you know some people might have like ah fuck it i don't need hulu anymore i'm just going to i'm going to go with disney plus so like disney plus has been succeeding they've been thriving they hit their 5 year number in 9 months And so here's the thing. Does Disney Plus need to go this route and and, and do this? Or is this HBO Max doing what they have to do to hit their goals to get their share in the market before they get left behind?
1: I I think it's more HBO Max doing what they have to do. I don't think any – I mean not that their original programming is bad – but none of it is just like a draw on paper to just normal people. I mean, as good as a lot of their shows have been, you know, to see the title of it and go, oh, I have to get HBO Max as opposed to things like Matrix 4, Godzilla King Kong, you know, Suicide Squad, Space Jam 2. Like, those are names that make you think you have to subscribe to the service, you know, as opposed to Raised by Wolves, The Flight Attendant, you know, those... As good as those shows are, the normal person sees them on paper. They're not like, oh, I have to drop Hulu to get HBO Max. Like, I think this is – I don't think WB is so much concerned about the theater experience as they are about, yeah, just getting tons and tons of HBO Max subscriptions and yeah, making but, it one of the top <clears throat> streaming services.
2: I don't know if I can count out Disney Plus not saying that we're going to follow suit, though, because what else do they have right now? The parks? The parks?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I, they, I wonder how much this changes what they were going to announce at that investors meeting on the 10th. Like, I wonder if what they had set in stone to talk about has completely like seismic shifted at this point because of this announcement.
2: Or maybe Warner Brothers caught wind that they were going to do this. And so they they did it first.
1: Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, if someone leaked that information, they, they were like, might as well get ahead of the game and fucking put it out there that we're going to put all these movies out and it's it seems really shady that um they kept such a lid on this like not only did the theaters have any idea that this was was coming but I read that like Legendary Pictures which is putting out the Godzilla Khan movie had no idea this was coming. Mm. Yeah, until the announcement like they found out that their movie was going to debut on HBO Max when we found out their movie was going to debut on HBO Max. So, it's kind of shifty.
2: Well, I mean, you know, we're so close to a vaccine. You know, but like I, I read an article um recently saying that uh as of now, like most people are not ready to go back into theaters and only 18% of people that were polled had gone back to the theaters, you know, since since COVID. Stephanie, what are your thoughts on all this?
3: I think Yeah, I think uh... Yeah, I th- I think they're doing it out of necessity. I think Disney you'll sh- I I would expect to see a shift with Disney not necessarily because they have to, but because they can and the loss they're going to have to try to circumvent that loss in any way that they can. I'd be shocked if we didn't see something also like a change from Disney. I'm kind of surprised and I don't really know how these like how these deals work out. That AMC, there hasn't been talk about like an AMC app for like new releases or something. I do think of AMC as kind of like, like you're saying, like the McDonald's of movie theaters. Yeah. But why isn't there some type of an app for new releases so they can find a way to evolve their business? Like a blockbuster, you have to find a way to evolve your business or it may become obsolete theaters. I agree with what you're saying. As we know them will probably no longer exist, like more, be more like a boutique experience. I'm kind of surprised that I haven't heard of – so. and I'm not – like I said, I'm not sure how these deals work. Sure. But it hasn't been like an AMC streaming app where it's just new releases and they're available for however long movie, movies are available in theaters. And then they go away and you pay to be able to see movies at whatever rate you would want to see them at home. I'm kind of surprised – and please school me if I'm, I'm missing a piece of the puzzle – why I haven't heard about AMC talking about evolving their business model in any way.
1: I, the AMC they tried kind of. <laughs> Well, AMC
2: does have – they do have an app. It's called AMC On Demand. That's true.
3: I forgot about that actually.
2: But with the AMC On Demand, um, right now, I mean, with that, I mean, it's a lot of just on-demand movies that you can get anywhere else. You can get them on Apple. You can get them on Vudu. You can get them on Fandango now. You can get them at all these places. There's nothing really that sets them apart. Um, And then the movies that were in theaters you know, that recently like Let Him Go, Freaky – um, I'm trying to think of some other, I guess, bigger movies that were kind of in theaters recently. Those, t- those were two of the bigger ones: Freaky and Let Him Go. Those were in theaters, I think. Don't, don't quote me, but I think they had to be in theaters for at least the first 17 days. And then after 17 days, if they choose to, then they can put them for home premiere. Now, when you want to watch home premiere, you're looking at shelling out 20 bucks to watch it at home.
1: Yeah not the worst price if you're see if more than one person is watching sure but yeah AMC I mean they're not a production company so they're you know stuck to the same rules that all the other streaming services when it comes to new movies are like it's not like they can just decide to show brand new big releases on their app like they're you know contractually they can't do that at all and they're not making their own movies which would be the only way for them to be able to do that kind of thing They they can't just you know they're basically like you said, Brian. The same as like an iTunes or a, a Voodoo, or a, they're they're stuck to those same release dates.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
3: is there? Oh, go ahead. So oh, go ahead. ahead. You're no, fine. no, no, no. Is does it not seem feasible to make for AMC to turn their streaming app into just like a home theater? Though, we're like, and I don't know how that works, but like, you know, when Black Widow comes out, that they have access, like they would have it in the theaters anyway. So have it on the streaming service and you and you pay a monthly fee for that and then it's after a certain amount of time it's gone and then it goes to disney plus or wherever it would live after that is that not something that could be to turn it into more of like a home theater with, to mimic the in theater experience as opposed to just being able to stream movies you can see anybody
1: i think honestly oh go ahead Jake. I, they can't do that like they legally can't oh, okay. be the first person to stream black widow gotcha like that's not in their rights
3: Okay, so I didn't understand
2: that, my bad. They, well they'd have to work out, they'd have to work out some deals with the studios with those movies. But I, I, I think the studios are basically once, now that this, what is it, the, what do they call it, the Paramount consent decree that just kind of lapsed, you know, that, that's, that's what prevented studios from purchasing theaters. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was like, um, uh Let me let's see here. Yeah. uh United States versus Paramount Pictures. Landmark Uni- United States Supreme Court antitrust case that decided the fate of film studios owning their own theaters and holding exclusive exclusiv- uh, exclusivity rights on which theaters would show their movies. There was that act was in place. And that is isn't that act up?
1: That, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I in think it's 2021. It, I did.
2: think it's up in 2021, which means that if these, if AMC ends up going bankrupt and all these theaters end up going bankrupt, you could have, you could see Universal, Disney, Netflix, um, Amazon Studios, um, all these different big, you know, Sony. You could, you could start to see them buy up these theaters at bargain, I mean, like, basement prices, and it totally changes the gl- the game. At that point, they can charge whatever they want to for tickets. They can decide which movies go into which theaters. Oh. So if, you know... It it's a buy-
1: different world that would be. Like, you have to go to certain theaters to see Paramount movies, or Sony movies, or Disney movies.
2: Well, all these studios now are acting like they're not interested in buying these theaters. They see, like, what theaters, what's happening to theaters, and, like... You know, like why would you want to like invest in these theaters now? But like, think about it. Like, if they could get them at like a like a bargain, like a basement price, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I could I could definitely see them scooping up a bunch of these theaters, some of these studios.
1: I agree, especially if you know we get the vaccine and that seems very successful, and you know, the majority of people are going to do that. And
2: yeah, yeah I, mean, I think they're just going think- to wait to bleed these fucking. I think they're just going to wait to fucking bleed AMC and Regal and Cinemark before they can just, just swoop in.
1: Yeah, especially when they're making more money by doing that. It's not like while they're waiting to bleed them dry, they're suffering in their pocketbooks.
2: They I mean, they, well, they are if they release Tenant in the theater, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if Warner Brothers, if, if Nolan would have been cool with like, yeah, like Warner Brothers is just going to drop Tenet on HBO Max. Imagine if that would have happened.
1: Nolan's brain would have exploded.
2: Well, how does, how does it affect Nolan going forward? If if this is the studio that he makes his movies with, how is this going to affect him making his next movie with Warner Brothers now? Is he going to stay with Warner Brothers?
1: Yeah, no idea. I honestly, he, he's so into the theater experience that I could see him leaving. I mean, I don't know what contracts are in place. Where, like, where,
2: he where's, he gonna not, where's he going to go? That's not where's he going to go? That's not going to be doing this though.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, maybe he'll start up his own thing. He definitely has the money for that.
2: So he's going to buy up his own theaters. I mean, like, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like,
1: yeah, I don't I, know. It's tough to say. I mean, he's definitely one of those filmmakers that's really going to be affected by this. I can't see him being gung ho to make new movies so they can be on HBO Max.
2: Yeah. I mean, he might like just like it might be. (laughs) I don't know, but it's like he's such a big name. And just to have his movies release in theaters, especially like think about like, let's say, yeah, Alamo. Like he's like, I'm going to do an exclusive deal where I just have my movies go to the Alamo Draft House or something.
1: And I could see that where he's just like, fuck it. These two theaters in the United States are the only places that are going to have my movie oh, in God. six months. The rest of y'all can see it on iTunes. Jesus maybe, Christ. Maybe the light at the end of the tunnel for Nolan is Tenet comes out on December 15th, I believe.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe that does gangbusters and he kind of changes his tune on what he feels about that kind of thing.
2: I mean, I gotta hear it from him. I gotta hear it from him. Oh, I
1: agree. I this is complete hypothetical. It would have to just do complete fucking gangbusters monster numbers where he's like, oh, okay. Some of the some new medium.
2: Some of these movies that are coming out, I I feel like this is kind of like a win for Warner Brothers. Um, some of these movies I don't think are going to do that great in the theater anyway. Um,
1: Tom and Jerry.
2: I kids movies yeah who wants to take their kids to go see a movie now um i honestly think like i honestly think like matrix 4 could be a huge bomb you know Uh, and and um even even dune in my opinion like i feel i
1: agree i agree with that
2: i feel like it's got such a huge cast but i feel and i feel like it could be a great movie but it's just one of those movies where it's like you know it kind of reminds me of um what was it uh Blade Runner 2049 that came out that like it, critics loved it but it just didn't perform well in the box office enough and he did that movie by the way him the same cinematographer
1: it was uh no yeah you're right about that
2: so you know i feel like the movies that are going to be hurting are like The Suicide Squad which i think could be a huge movie for them in the theater And I'm still kind of like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know about Godzilla versus Kong. I think like with the two names together, it still could be a huge movie. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I still think like with both of those names being in the same, in the same film going head to head against each other, it could still have been a pretty big movie coming out for them.
1: I agree. I bet it would have made more money than the previous two movies. I I think it would have been a draw. I think it's I agree. Those two names, it's one of those things where I think people that don't even go to movies would have gone to the movies to see that event.
2: Yeah, dude, it's like fucking like people. We all had to watch Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is it going to be a draw between King Kong and Godzilla?
2: Um, That that shit was predetermined. I think I think both those motherfucking fighters, I think I think Tyson went out there to fucking knock him out. A hundred. But I think, I, and, oh, I think Roe James Jr. went out there to knock him out. But I think they did. I, but I think at the end of the day, if there was no knockout, they they had it predetermined that they were just going to have it be a draw because they're both legends, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. No one wants to lose space. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway, oh, I think Space Jam could have been a pretty big movie. LeBron James, Looney Tunes.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of parents are bringing their kids to see the movie that they saw when they were kids.
2: And you got you got LeBron coming off a championship year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Even I put it, you got to put an asterisk next to it because of the fucking shortened season. Go ahead, go. Uh, no, Lakers won. Lakers won. All right, Lakers won. <laughs> go ahead, Stephanie. I'm sorry. That's
3: <laughs> okay. I think, and uh, tell me if I, you think I'm like an thinking mess. I. I, I believe that even if theaters stay open, it won't be nearly as many. And so I think we're probably, I, I believe that we're, I'm, I'm thinking the, the days of like, I'm thinking of end game, like breaking records and record time and that type of a thing. I think those days are over. Like people are talking about like the next Avatar movie and all of those things. I think those days of those, because there just would be less theaters in my, that's my assumption those days of those record-breaking numbers in record time, just, be, in, just in, in the first level of, of just the basic, like the diminished number of theaters that will be open that will probably also be saying goodbye to that type of hype surrounding movies also.
2: 100%. I agree, 100%. I, th- those days are over, in my opinion, and um, they're going to have to figure out a new way of uh, showing us how much these movies are making because they're going to be viewing them at home. That's a thing though. They wow. haven't been releasing those numbers because they've been releasing them on their own service. You know, if if HBO Max is releasing them on their own service. Same thing with like Netflix. Netflix will tell us The Extraction is the number one watched movie on their service of all time. How what does that mean though? What does that What does that mean? What does that mean? Because I I've heard that you can watch we don't know is are you are you it doesn't qualify what is considered a viewing of extraction? If somebody watches it for five minutes or the entire time, does that count as a view? We don't know. They don't let us know how they figure out their data and what they consider a viewing. Do they have to go 20 minutes before it's considered to be you've, you viewed this movie? Cause like at that point you can watch it for 20 minutes and turn it off, but they're still counting it as you watching that movie. You know, I don't know how many people finished extraction you know i'm sure some people <laughs> yeah, dropped off they that don't, movie they are
1: going to use whatever metrics they want to make yeah. their movie look as good as possible yeah. sure. do they
3: yeah they don't even have to tell us the truth they may just be saying that to get more people to watch a movie that may not be doing as well as they anticipated
1: right yeah it's a crying shame that we won't get to see avatar 2 bomb officially in the theater
3: yeah, i was looking forward to that <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know, I, here's the thing, you can say all that, you can say all that, but man, here's the thing, we, I never count out James Cameron. You, I can't count out James Cameron, especially with a James Cameron sequel. I can never count that guy out. He's always, he's always done really good with sequels.
1: So, and I mean... Yeah, I agree, there's definitely, there was definitely a chance that it could have been fucking gangbusters once again.
2: Well, and the fact that like, it, the, the 3D ticket upcharge, and the fact that, uh, you're looking at like, most theaters in in uh, in uh, China are 3D, and it's just I don't know, and, and and it did huge internationally. It did huge internationally. I just I mean, it doesn't have the following of a of a Star Wars or a Marvel or something like that. But my God, it, it, that movie fucking made a shit fuck ton of money in two was it 2009.
1: Yeah. It revolutionized the theater experience for, you know, the next decade yeah. with the fucking 3D upcharges and everything.
2: Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, you don't have to like that movie, but my God, it looked gorgeous in 3D. They used that 3D lens, that fucking, what is that, that 3, what do they call that, that 3D lens or whatever, that new lens that they had.
1: Oh, yeah. I As much as I can't stand the plot, it was an absolute spectacle to look at.
3: It was beautiful.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I think I think they think we're looking at the death of movie theaters as we know them. Um and they're going to have to come back and do things differently. And if AMC is going to stick around, if some of these are going to stick around, they're going to have to do things differently to get people to come back into the movie theaters. And um I think that what we're going to be looking at is the people that are going to come back to these movie theaters are going to be people that love the movie theater experience. I'm talking about like people that are like 100% cinephiles that love this shit and have to see it in the movie theater. And, um, I think that the casuals, they're going to be once, once fucking HBO does this and they, they, they've let the cat out of the bag. Now they've done it now that they've done this. I don't think that they can just do it for one year. I think this is just like, we're going to test it out and see how it does. I think it's going to be hugely successful for them and I don't see them going back
1: i agree with that 100 there's no fucking way they're just saying that one year thing to not completely spook everybody but yeah it once those numbers start piling in and all that you know everyone's tweeting about matrix 4 at the same time and it's the number one trending thing and just i think society will just want it to be like that and they won't be able to refuse that
2: i mean we're really looking at basically like They're just, they're doing what Netflix has been doing. It's just bypassing the theater experience this entire
1: time. Yeah, Netflix was ahead of the curve. I mean, they had no idea that the pandemic was going to happen and this was what was going to lead to it, but it just kind of sped everything up into the whole streaming.
2: Are mid budget movies going to come back? Is that going to be a thing then?
1: Now? I think it could. I think it has, they have a better chance of coming back in this model than they did in the old model.
2: Cause like what we've been getting the big, like the big thing has just been these fucking big, huge superhero movies. And then like the low budget Blumhouse movies and like indie stuff. Like we haven't had like a resurgence of like the mid budget movie. The last big mid budget movie I remembered, Jake was probably baby driver, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good example. Quiet place is the one that came to my mind right away.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's another Um, one.
1: I I think, I think it could be a boon to those type of movies. You know, I think it's easier to not have to go anywhere, watch it on a service that you already pay for. You're more willing to give things a shot than to just plunk down 10 to $17 to go to the theater and see it.
2: I will say that this, Me being a huge moviegoer and loving to, I love to go to the theater. Um, I hate, I hate this that this is happening, and um, yeah, it's just the death of like the movie theater experiences as I know it. And I'm feeling it now, man. I can't even go to the fucking the theaters here in Illinois are closed. They closed them again, so it's like you know. And I've been, I've been itching to go to a movie. I'm just you know, but can't do it and so i I just think it's gonna go away and once it does come back i'm looking at maybe spending 20 bucks to go to go see a movie same price as maybe you it might just end up being the same price as seeing it fucking at home for the first time once it goes to like this boutique experience i just i don't see them being able to stay at the same prices and do the AMC A lists that they've been doing with the fact that they got to compete now with these movies being on service at home for the first month there's just there's no way they have to they have to jack the prices and they have to do something they have to do something else to draw you into the theater i if because i'm not gonna fucking go to an amc theater and fucking drop down 25 fucking bucks if they're gonna keep it the same where people are just getting on their phones and talking during the movies and all this other bullshit i'll fucking i'll watch it i'll have to be i'll have i don't want to fucking go see wonder woman 1984 with a bunch of fucking people talking the entire fucking time or a quiet place too and people are talking all the time if i can watch it at home and and, and for the first time without people talking that does sound attractive if i've got to pay this fucking big upcharge now to see a movie in the theater
1: yeah, maybe maybe ramping up the giveaways would be a way to draw people back in. I mean, they kind of already did that where if you saw the movie opening night, you'd get the, the Mondo poster or mm-hmm. some kind of like – Popcorn bucket or whatever the fuck, maybe ramping up the kind of exclusive items that you're giving the, the patron.
2: Is. That they're shelling out more money at that point and they're already shelling out more money. They're already hemorrhaging run- money right now and they're fucking lo- They've already lost money because of COVID. Because, like, if you go to AMC, they've got like a poster that sh- that's up there and saying like what they're doing to make it safe. And they've put in like these new filtration systems. They have people go in there and they clean. Everything They've got hand sanitizer all over the fucking place. They're already spending so much money trying to be like COVID compliant to where they're following these, you know, these safety practices. And now on top of that, now they've got to set themselves apart with with, um, you know, adding in like special merchandise and stuff like that that you can only get there. I don't know. I just don't know how long they can sustain that. I don't know if it's like, am I going to be am I going to go to fucking Wonder Woman 1984 in the theaters and and drop 25 bucks to see the movie and then on top of that fucking oh now I gotta drop another you know 20 bucks to get this fucking glassware or something I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah that that makes sense and, and yeah I see what you're saying about hemorrhaging money it's like not not only are not very many people going but they have to hire more employees to do all this extra work yeah. so they're, they're, their payroll is bigger and they're the people going is way, way down. So
2: dude, the most, okay. Since I've, since this COVID started, the, the, the theater that was had the most people in it since I've been was, it wasn't new mutants. It wasn't bill and Ted. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, it wasn't tenant dude. It was let him go. Kevin Costner and Diane Lane brought out all the old people, man. (laughs) I, I am not kidding you. That was the most packed theater I've been in, in the age of COVID was let him go kevin costner diane lane that movie all the dude i was the youngest person in that fucking theater seriously wow i literally i think like halfway through the movie the grim reaper sat down in one of the seats in that theater and was it was dude all these old people it was it was insane so yeah jesus yeah
1: i'm excited um to see trailers for big movies again with this happening like that's that's one positive like there's just been no hype for big tentpole movies anymore and at least like they'll have to start beating that drum again for hbo max like we're gonna we're gonna see hype for these movies before they release because they know they're actually gonna release
2: right yeah instead of like having like three different posters for black widow with three different release dates (laughs) It's like yeah, it's like, like the that. the collector's posters for Black Widow is like the original May 2019 poster, you know?
1: That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just to have the hype machine for big temple movies, like, rolling again, like, that gets me excited. Yeah. You know, just yeah, trying to think positive about the whole thing. Sure. Yeah,
3: I, mean, I, I mean, you have to. There's not much about movies that makes me all as, as excited as I was when I was still going to the theater and I'm excited about Disney plus series coming out. Um, and there, there's a handful of movies I'm excited about, but I think more so I'm just disappointed that I didn't get to see them when they were initially supposed to come out. Black Widow is a good example of a movie I was really excited about that. Mm. That excitement has waned, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, And I think it has for a lot of people. And so I think this is just going to be a way to, they're going to, I don't know what the new hype machine will be what the new thing will be to get people excited again because i think for a lot of people it's waned it's unfortunate it's sad but yeah i think for a lot of people the excitement's not there
2: i feel bad for people like in bigger markets that haven't had their theaters open at all um you know and it's not safe to go to those theaters uh stephanie you're in a you're in new york so it's like you have not probably gone to the theater since
3: mm-hmm. since they shut down no. since they shut down
2: yeah, yeah so so like there there would have been no way for you to watch wonder woman 1984 other than it releasing directly onto hbo max exactly so
1: yeah or them delaying it once again and i think they're just tired of like sitting on movies like that yeah yeah yeah
2: they got to make their money somewhere it's it just sucks it just sucks that this had to happen and i think that you know i think i saw everything kind of going this way eventually but man, COVID just really sped this up.
1: Oh, like 20 times speed. Yeah.
3: Did you really see it happening?
1: Yeah. Talked we talked about we, it on this podcast.
2: Yeah. We've talked about theaters going away because they, 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 even before this, theaters were having a hard time. I mean, you know, getting people to come out and, and see movies. Um, that's, that's why we saw like kind of like the death of the mid budget films is because people weren't going to see them. They weren't making their money back. So all the movies were comic book movies that were like, the Marvel movies, they knew that they were going to make their billions. Fast and Furious, they knew they were going to make their money there. They knew they were going to make their money with the Jurassic Worlds. They And they also knew that the Blumhouses were going to make their movies because they make the horror movies for the $5 million to $10 million budget. And they's, they always do great. And it doesn't matter. Like, the, what was it? The Truth, or, the Truth or Dare movie or whatever the fuck oh, yeah. it was. Like, that movie was not good. But, man, you know, even the Fantasy Island movie, they, they weren't great. But, man, those movies make money in the theater because, you know, you've got people wanting to go see horror and they make them on such a cheap budget. So we were just – we were getting a lot of the same kind of movies. This might bring back the mid-budget movie if they start to – you know, just everything starts to go straight to streaming. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know.
1: And people like, people like Scorsese and Spike Lee were already like just pissed off at the whole thing that was going on and already making movies for yeah. streaming services like Netflix. Like they'd already rebelled against the Marvel yeah. horror movie model.
2: Well, Netflix was giving Scorsese the money that he wanted to make the Irishman. No other studio was going to do it. And that's Scorsese. People are not giving him the money to make the Irishman that he wanted. And Netflix did. So, yeah, yeah. you know,
1: and I mean, a lot of that blame is is on the big tentpole movies and those guys will will agree. I mean, people get mad when they say that, but it is the truth. It has as much as we love those movies, it has like money talks and bullshit walks. And yeah, if but fucking if I, Martin Scorsese can't get funded, then what the fuck?
2: But if I can't see the Suicide Squad in a packed theater on opening night. You know, I mean, th- that's part of the fun, right? Oh, that movie's
0: yeah.
1: so perfect for that, too. It's going to be such a romp. And, you know, there's just going to be so much comedy. Well, it, doesn't, it
2: doesn't it doesn't even stop there, Jake. It, I mean, this this goes this <laughs> this could actually turn into me not being able to go and see Guardians of the Galaxy volume three in a packed theater on opening night. You know, like this. I mean, every time I've gone to see a Guardians movie opening night, it's been it's been an event. The theater's packed. People are laughing. Rocket and Groot, ha ha ha. Star Lord, ha ha ha. Yeah. It's been- what a
1: shame our last Star Wars movie was episode <laughs> nine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I hate that movie. The more I think about it, oh my god,
1: <laughs> what a shame! That's the last packed house Star Wars movie we'll ever see. I
2: know, Nintendo, right? I know, I know, I know.
3: Yeah, you can definitely say goodbye to those like emotional opening weekend moments.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, that's sad. Ugh. Let's
2: uh, let's see here. Do you guys want to take a break, or do you want to jump into Good Pop Bad Pop?
1: I would love to take a break.
2: I, 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 Why did I even ask? Why did I even ask with you? we <laughs> be right back. Good pup, bad pup. back and is now oh my god my cat hey he, he is back on the table trying to rub his head on everything in sight on the table so guys it's, it's like it's like a constant battle trying to fucking uh, keep his tail off the mic keep him happy you know people don't understand the sacrifices i make when i fucking record one of these episodes it's probably it's probably honestly why the first part of this episode didn't get recorded i was worried about his fucking tail and all of his fucking shenanigans there we go all his shenanigans (laughs) on on the table here it is now time for good pop bad pop
1: it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop
2: Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system.
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
2: Tomorrow, I'm recording the very first bonus episode for our Patreon patrons. And uh, I don't think I ever have to play the fucking rating system. On one of those episodes, everybody listening to a fucking bonus episode knows the fucking rating system, James.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Why pay if you don't even know what the fuck you're paying for? You
2: know, shit. I don't have to fucking I don't have to introduce segments. I don't have to do anything. I just got to fucking show up. I just got to hit record. I got to hit record. I didn't do that today.
1: I imagine you looking like Al Bundy during the uh, Patriot episodes.
2: <laughs> Why is that? Why is that?
1: <laughs> Just completely relaxed, man. Hand down the pants.
2: Okay, all right. Yeah, you should. You should have led with that. The hand down the pants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I usually do.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, but yeah, if you're not a Patreon patron, we're, uh, I'm gonna be doing a first episode tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. We're doing a cutting room floor episode. So it's like the new segments that didn't make it into this one. And I'll be talking about some of those. I might have some other things planned out for tomorrow, uh, for the cutting room floor episode. I know I'm gonna be doing episodes, uh, for top 20 lists. And I've already got, uh, hosts set up for the top 20 lists. We're gonna be going over our top 20s and certain things and um, And then, also doing a, a segment and i got to thank Stephen Redgrave from dissecting this fiction, for giving me the name of this show, Retro Reheats. It's basically where I'm going to be reviewing with different guests, you know, older movies, movies that we all know and love, uh, movies that you can fucking stream easily. We've all seen them a hundred times, you know, shit like the Goonies, Back to the Future, Home Alone, shit like that. And so, yeah, those are just some of the segments that I've got planned for these bonus episodes. You're going to get at least two bonus episodes every month with Patreon and that's patreon.com forward slash pop culture leftovers, all one word. And you can sign up and uh, you can donate either a dollar and uh, with that, you're just saying thank you for making the podcast. And if you donate six bucks, you get the bonus pods. And so you're at least getting two bonus pods a month and, you know, possibly even more. It just depends on, you know, what I got going on and how much I can fit in that month. So, yeah, check it out. Anyway, good pop and pop this week. Um, I wanted to start off real quick. I watched <laughs> I watched uh, a little bit of uh, HBO Max's original series, uh, Heaven's Gate, the Cult of Cults. Stephanie, did you see any of this? I did. What did you, how many episodes did you watch?
3: I only got through one.
2: It's a thorough examination of the infamous UFO cult through the eyes of its former members and loved ones. What started in 1975 with the disappearance of 20 people from a small town in Oregon ended in 1997 with the largest suicide on us soil and changed the face of modern new age religion forever. I knew about this story, you know, where I think, I think most people are, you know, uh, familiar with heaven's gate. um, and I just got done. Fin- I finished uh, the the Nexium uh, docu series on stars. It was a four part series, and then I finished the Nexium uh, series on HBO, The Vow. It was nine episodes, and I finished that. And uh, I enjoyed both of those quite a bit. And like, this is such a fucking you know huge um, story. You know this what happened back in nineteen ninety seven. You know this is le- twenty two years. This led up. I'll be honest with you, Stephanie. I was bored out of my mind with this documentary.
3: It was, <laughs> it was, I started, I, I was also, I started watching it like when I had nothing but time and I was like, ah, oh, I could do something else. And I ended up just putting it on in the background when I was working. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's boring. It's kind of insane how many people like, cause it, they talk about like in the first episode initially, like they had a lot of people, then some people ended up falling off. But like the premise is, is people weren't, I don't want to say they weren't bright, but like, they were falling for, like, something that clearly was – I don't want to say – see, I don't want to say anything. Ah, go ahead.
2: No, they're fucking morons. I mean
3: <laughs>
2: – <laughs> 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 They were clearly
3: falling for something that was total bullshit.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I Here's the thing. I think, like, trying to, to follow a documentary when they're inter- interviewing people that I just find, like, how could you fucking get suckered into this shit – Exactly. I just, I couldn't relate to anything. I, I, the Nexium cult, I found so, honestly, I found the Nexium cult very relatable. Like, I, I know people that are like always looking for like, it, like, they're, they're looking to like improve themselves as people and to like reach this higher plane of existence. And I feel like people in this were trying to do the same thing, but it's like, it felt like right out of the gate that they were telling you like this is another physical level that you're gonna, like these people, the science fiction aspect of this was like just kind of insane to me that these people would kind of like devote their life and their energy into this as to where like the Nexium thing was like a completely different kind of experience where like people were going into this program and, and they, they thought scientifically that they were, they were able to kind of like break down these walls that kind of like confined them and, and, um, I don't know. I just, I couldn't relate to the people in this documentary. I just thought they were kind of all kooky anyway.
3: Sure. Yeah, they were kooky. And I, th- at times I felt, and even just in the first episode, I felt like they were giving me a lot of information that wasn't relevant to the, to what the end was eventually. Yeah. Gonna be And everybody knows how it ends. I'm like, I don't need all this fluff. Like this could have been pared down significantly.
2: Totally. I, 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 I it just wasn't, it just was, it wasn't a good, it, I'm not, I'm not going to watch all four episodes. I know what happens. So <laughs> I was just completely, I was bored out of my goddamn mind watching this. And like, I, that's what I thought was so interesting about the Nexium stuff is like, I could see how these people kind of got suckered into this thing. But like off in the, in the background, there was like this, other thing that was going on unbeknownst to like a lot of the members within nexium this on the flip side was just like oh my god this is a stretch like for people to believe this yeah. so um yeah check it out if you want to heaven's gate the cult of cults people think that uh in order to go to heaven the spaceship would take you there i guess i don't know it's fucking <laughs> it's fucking
1: crazy Pretty close to (laughs) scienceology like that, right?
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I gave that feel for sure, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Big Mouth Season 4. Stephanie, have you been watching this? I started it, yes. Um, Yeah, Uh, Big Mouth Season 4. What did you think about the first three seasons? This is the Nick Kroll. Who else? Nick Kroll, Jason Mansoukas, Jenny Slate. Trying to think of everybody involved in this. Yeah, comedy. Peel's in it, I think. Who's that?
3: Jordan Peel. Jordan
2: Peel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's it? name? Th- uh,
3: Maya Rudolph, sorry.
2: Maya Rudolph, yeah, I can't forget about her. Fred Armisen's in it? Yes. We're just naming people. <laughs> 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 what'd you think about the first three seasons?
3: I enjoyed them. I I really enjoyed the first three seasons. I didn't like was it the Valentine's Day special. I didn't like that as much. I didn't either. Was that, yeah, but the first three seasons are really funny. It's just good. Like the all the voice acting is just it's really good. And is it, it Kroll? What, what's his name again? The head guy, like the Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll. He's insanely talented.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah.
3: But yeah, first three seasons excellent. The Valentine's Day episode. Toss it.
2: I'm a bigger fan of the first two seasons. I, I give the third season, a. I give it a taste it to high taste it. Maybe, you know, I, I just didn't think that the third season was as good as the first two. Um, which brings us now to the, now to the, and I did not like the Valentine's day special. I think it was just to keep people interested in big mouth. Um, right. but, uh, what did you think about season four?
3: I don't love it so far. It's funny. I'm laughing and it, it's definitely, it's, it's in the vein of what makes it a good, sh- like a good show, but like new cha- I don't need the new characters. Like I'm just kind of comfortable with who we already know. And I don't, the setting of at being at camp and it being summertime, I just I'm not doing it for me. How many
2: episodes first- in are you? Two. Okay. Okay. You're out of camp by episode four.
3: Oh, you, oh, okay. Fair yeah.
2: Point. You're out of camp by episode four. The first three episodes are sent, uh, are spent at summer camp. Um, what is it? Seth Rogen's one of the characters. And, um. Is I,
3: Seth Rogen the,
2: the best, the camp best friend? Or yes. You, is he's, he, he's camp
3: best
2: friend. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Was it Seth Goldberg is his name?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Cause I think one of the producers is Adam Goldberg on the show. So it's a combination between Seth Rogen. And Adam Goldberg. You get a character do named you, Seth Goldberg. Do you, do you like it so far? I'm gonna, I've watched the whole season. Um, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's unlike last season. Last season for some reason I just kind of like doled the episodes out over, you know, a few weeks. This one I just kind of had the time to binge it. But, uh, even though I binged it and watched all 10 episodes, I'm still just gonna give the overall season a taste it. Uh, I think that, uh, the first two seasons, man, just full of hilarity and a lot of things that are just like, uh, super funny and relatable when it comes to like going through puberty and shit like that. They're kind of just like doing this, they're doing that same thing this season. And, but some of the stuff was just kind of stupid. I I don't care about the anxiety mosquitoes. I think those are dumb. Um, there's an episode where, uh, a character can't, can't poop. And he starts to experience he can't poop for four weeks. And he starts to experience what's called poop madness, where poop is like invading your body. And he's like he's coughing and poop is coming out of his mouth now. And he's experiencing poop madness. And uh, I just thought that it was just, <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. Um, there is some shit that's super funny in this. But when you get to episode four, um, you get... Uh, You get you get the main characters. What's it, Nick? And what's the other one? Not Nick. What's this character's name in this? Is it Nick? It's Nick. It's Nick. And what's the other fucking kid? Uh,
3: What's his friend? I (laughs) just watched the whole
2: fucking thing. I couldn't tell you their names. (laughs) I watched four seasons. I couldn't tell you their fucking names. (laughs) Anyway, they start dating younger girls. So they're in eighth grade now. They start dating seventh graders. And I thought it was very funny that they started dating Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. The two girls from Pen Fifteen, they're like thirty years old, and they played that they're fucking like teenagers in that show. And here they are playing teenagers in uh, in in animated form. And they made the animated versions of themselves look like themselves in kind of like Pen Fifteen. And um, I don't know. I just, I just. I think like they they tackle a lot of stuff in this season they tackle a lot of stuff they tackle transgender issues they tackle um the character of missy and how she's got one parent who's black one parent that's white and and how now she she's never been able to kind of like uh her parents have always hidden her from her black side and she's she's (laughs) starting to talk to yeah it's they get into all that stuff and, and um, I mean, and, and some of the stuff they do it really well, I just think like it's just not funny. Like they're tackling all these heavy issues, I just didn't think it was as funny as like the first two seasons of the show. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm watching Big Mouth. I want it to be, not only do I want it to tackle like these issues, but on the flip side, I have to have it be super hilarious. And it just wasn't as super hilarious. There's a new character called the Gratitoad. It's a toad. So they mix gratitude with Toad. I just thought that was stupid. And, uh, mm. the last two episodes we got the new actor that's, uh, voicing Missy. So Jenny Slate recorded most of her lines as Missy, but the last two episodes they got the new actor playing Missy. And you is can- Is that
3: a noticeable difference? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is. It's a noticeable difference.
3: And you, it, do, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
2: No, go ahead. What were you gonna say?
3: Does the anxiety fly stick around or is that
2: just a camp? totally sticks around. Yeah.
3: Gotcha.
2: Okay. Yeah. That anxiety mosquito. Jay and Lola have a relationship this season. And I think that that was better, I guess, than last season with Jay dealing. That's what my biggest problem with last season was there was too much Coach Steve. I like Coach Steve in small doses. I don't need – It's Too much Coach Steve is just too much. He's an idiot, and it's just like, Uh, I get it. You're fucking stupid. I get it. I get it. You're a moron. And they gave us too much Coach Steve. This year, they gave us too little of Coach Steve, and what they gave us was not that great. And then last season, they gave us too much Jay, in my opinion. Uh, Way too much Jay. But it was him dealing with his bisexuality, which is like a big deal, but you have such a moronic character dealing with being bi. It's like how am I supposed to take any of it serious? <laughs> seriously? Seriously, because he's such a moron. But this. I
3: also don't love the addition of extra hormone monsters. Yeah,
2: Tandy Newton is the new hormone monster this season.
3: Yeah, like uh, it's just a bit much.
2: I'm but... uh, I, I'm I'm totally. I just I love like the Maya uh, Rudolph and uh is it Nick Kroll doing the other
3: one? Yeah, the main one. Yeah. Yeah,
2: they do great at the. T- <laughs> The hormone monsters, and like I love Tandy Newton. I love her at Westworld, and I, I, you know, she was. I thought she, I thought she was actually good in Mission Impossible Three, but uh <laughs> but uh, I love Tandy Newton. But it's just like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if we need any hormone monsters. The ah, fuck, what's her name? What the one girl? The what's what's the redhead girl's name? <laughs> Jessie? Jessie. She has an episode at camp. Did you get to the episode where she fucking was on her period at camp? No. Yeah, that was a pretty funny episode. She's trying to find the right tampon. And so she finds, like, the really slim tampons, and they're not enough, you know. And they they, they turn into characters, and they start talking. And then she finds, like, these mega tampons, and they're, like, fucking, like, these huge steroided-out tampons. <laughs> They are and they're talking about they're talking about how they're like you know they're basically talking about how they're going to get in there and tear tear her up and all this shit, and then she finds these tampons that are just right, and that was kind of funny. But and there are some really super hilarious moments in this season, but there are moments I I didn't have as many as many laugh out loud moments as I've had like, like I did in seasons one and two, so I think like if I'm comparing this to like. The other Netflix show that came out this season, Hoops, with Jake Johnson, like that show is super fucking hilarious. And Big Mouth season four was just not as good. And it's not as good as uh, F is for Family season four. F is for Family season four came back super strong. The Bill Burr animated show. And uh, I wasn't a huge fan of season three of F is for Family. But season four came back super strong. I just felt like this was like probably the weakest season of Big Mouth. And I think like some of the jokes are pretty low hanging in this one. So yeah, not as, not as, uh, clever in my opinion as the first two seasons.
3: And that's sad
2: because I love, I, I love everybody involved in it. Yeah,
3: the cast is stellar. It's, mm-hmm. That's disappointing to
2: hear, but. Well, but I, you know what? I, that's the thing. You know, comedy is subjective. I know we say that all the time, but it's true. Comedy is subjective. And I'm sure there's people out there that love some of this obnoxious bullshit that we got in season four. So more if you enjoyed all the obnoxious <laughs> bullshit in season four of Big Mouth, more power to you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But uh I just felt like it was like just more of the same, more of the same and not not as good as the original stuff that we got. Like, I think if if you're going to do what they've been tackling, what they've been doing, you got to take it to that next level and just keep it as funny and funnier. I just felt like it's just like more of the same and and just not as good. So, yeah. Sound of Metal on Amazon. Um, This... Got released in theaters maybe a week or two ago. Very limited release. I had nothing around me playing this movie at all. I really wanted to see this in the theater. But uh, it did drop on Amazon. It's about Ruben, a drummer, and one half of the duo Black Gammon, along with his singer girlfriend Lou, a former drug addict. He is sober for four years. Suddenly, he begins to lose his hearing. His sponsor makes him go meet Joe, who leads a deaf community, with the help From them, Ruben struggles to accept his situation. It's directed and co-written by Darius Marder. And um, his last name sounds like you're watching a certain show starring Angela Lansbury while in Ireland. Marder, she wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I've been holding on to that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Darius Marder. Murder she wrote Murder <laughs> uh, Doesn't get funnier, does it? Um No. Sound of, <laughs> Fuck you <laughs> Sound of Metal stars Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed He was in Rogue One, wasn't he? He was. He was. Uh Riz Ahmed Olivia Cook, uh, you'll remember her from Ready Player One. And also she was uh uh in uh Thoroughbreds with Anya Taylor Joy and Anton Yelkin in one of his final performances. I loved Thoroughbreds. If you haven't seen Thoroughbreds, what are you waiting for? It's out there watch it. Uh Paul Racy, Lauren Ridloff, and Matthew Almerich. And um so yeah, this one uh this one dropped on Amazon. This is from Amazon Studios, and um I, I, I happen to, I happen to think that this is probably going to be a theatrical release, a major theatrical release for them. Kind of like the big sick when that came out and it was in theaters for three months and then it gets dropped onto Amazon. And we're living, we're living in, uh, we're living in uh, strange times now. And so it gets a very limited release in the theater and, uh, drops on Amazon a week or two weeks later. But, um, yeah, we've got a story here of Riz Ahmed plays Ruben and plays in a band that he's touring. It's how they make their living. He has a, a, you know, like a, um, an RV with his girlfriend and they drive from city to city and they tour and he's a drummer and they make their living on tour playing in this band, Black Gammon. And, um, in the movie, you start to realize that that this character is losing his hearing. And, uh, there's moments where like you're watching the movie and you're listening to like, you know, what he's hearing. And then all of a sudden you hear like a ring in his ear and like, you hear like muffled sounds like, mm, 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 like, like, like that's all he's hearing. And one day he just wakes up and he can't fucking hear. And in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my God, can you imagine if this happened to you, especially this late in his life? You know, this is not something like, you know, you're born deaf and you're able to kind of just like adapt, you know, and, that's the thing. It's like, he's an, uh, an an adult now. And to relearn these things, like as an adult in your thirties, it just seems so such a challenge and how drastically it's going to change his life to the point where like his whole living is made the fact that he's got to hear and listen for cues, his whole relationship with his girlfriend, th- his girlfriend, Lou, who's the singer in the band, like their relationship deals with like them going on tour. A lot of the reason that they fell in love is their love for music and, and uh, going on tour together and being able to communicate and talk. And now she's kind of like, she never expected this to happen. Now she's thrown into this reality of my boyfriend's lost his hearing and, and not only on top of that, but like this guy is a recovering drug addict. So it's like, she's seeing some signs of him maybe relapsing Getting back into heroin and it scares her. So they talk to like I think they talk to their don't they talk to their manager and he tells them about this place that's run by this guy named Joe and it's a community of deaf people and some of, and and all these deaf people it's, it's basically it's deaf people that were that were addicts and they've all come together and they form this community and and they do things to kind of keep themselves busy um they 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 work with younger deaf children and uh it's a it's a whole new world so like when i was watching this movie it was like a movie of it felt like it was a movie of loss and gain losing one thing and gaining another thing and then and then you've got a choice to make because you've got a guy here who he's kind of like stuck between two worlds to where he's lost his hearing. He joins this new this community. I don't know. I don't know if I want to get into too many spoilers and I want I want to hear your guys thoughts on this as well. So I'm just going to pass it off right now before I get too far into this. Um, Stephanie, what did you think about, uh, sound of metal?
3: It was heavy. Um, it was hard to watch um because you feel the loss the movie switches between the regular sound that you would hear when watching a movie and then like you said it switches and then it it often switches to what he would hear in the in the moment which is nothing yeah. and he may hear like low tones but you can't make anything out like no words and not what people are saying and so just the sheer the just the like the, the the quickness with which he loses his hearing. It looks like it's maybe within the span of like a week that it completely goes. He wakes up one morning, can't hear. The doctor he goes to see a doctor, the doctor, I don't want to give anything away, but the doctor tells him, you know, you have to protect your hearing. You can't be around loud noises. And then the next thing he does, his livelihood is being able to hear and being in this band. And he can't mm-hmm. give that up. When he goes to stay in this place, it's a completely different world for him. It's humbling. It is it's there's triggers you feel I feel I felt so much sympathy for him because I kept saying what would I do if that was me I don't know what I would do yeah my yeah. world will completely crumble and he's got addiction that he's dealing with he's got this girlfriend he doesn't want to lose but she can't stay with him at this place like yeah there's very strict rules he's not used to living with it was a very the, I didn't really understand the ending but the the movie was it was very good it was hard to sit there you really feel for this character and he was excellent on in this role
2: i will say this about the ending and this is not spoiling anything but i think it goes back to something joe is saying has you have you ever listened to the stillness uh,
3: yeah okay there you go that makes sense
2: but um jake what did you think about um and we'll rate it but jake what did you think about uh sound of metal
1: I thought it was decent. It was like a middle road it for me. I thought Riz's performance was amazing. I thought the sound mixing was a Tupperware in itself. Like they really made me understand what this character was feeling just with the sound mix. But overall, this movie kind of really frustrated me. I, I think that might be the point, but it didn't make for a very enjoyable experience. Um, I could not stand... Olivia Cook's character, Lou, um, mm. she really frustrated me. Um, ah, just the choices that were made in this movie were just so frustrating. Like, it's I don't want to spoil it, but I thought the middle of the movie was my favorite part. Just um, seeing that, what is it? At? It's not a deaf school. It's like, I don't know. Like it's a, a deaf community, a community. Yeah. All the stuff in the deaf community was definitely my, my favorite parts. They, um, the, I, the,
2: the, the, actor that they got the, the teacher for the young, ki- the the young children, Lauren Ridloff. She played Diane, the teacher for the young kids in this deaf school. She is a real deaf, du- uh, deaf actress. And she stars oh. as a deaf, um, uh, in The Walking Dead, she's a deaf character on that show who has had, like, uh, um, uh, who's been real friendly with, with, um, Norman Reedus' character of Daryl. I've almost kind of thought that they had, like, a that Daryl was kind of interested in her by, when watching some of those episodes. But she's been really good on, uh, The Walking Dead. And, uh, it was nice to see her in this movie that they cast her in this. As well,
1: yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, my favorite stuff was like just Ruben interacting with the children. I thought that was really, really touching. Um, Yeah, but overall, I I found this movie to be extremely frustrating, and I will definitely never watch it again. Um, Worth a watch though, if you already had the Amazon Prime. But the choices that were made by these characters were. Ooh, extremely frustrating
2: movie. I think that that's what this movie was about I think that this movie I, th- I personally I'm gonna give it a Tupperware because I think that the I think that this movie kind of showed me what what was really important and what this guy did not get and what mm-hmm. like his and I think he learned his lesson a little too late sometimes you know when it comes to, to watching this movie um I, 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 uh, I think, I th- man, cause like, I think this movie really shows you what it would be like for this character in this situation to go what he was going through. And yeah, I, like you see him make some, some choices and you're just like, w- why, 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 why? But like, I think that's what kept me kind of like engaged in this movie. So. Yeah, I, I, I
1: don't blame you at all for giving it a Tupperware. I, I just, oh, it just paid me yeah. so much. And I mean, like you said, that's the point. But it, ugh.
2: It's, a, it's, a, it's a movie. And, and when you think about it, when you think about like, it's a movie of like loss and gain, in my opinion. Sometimes Definitely. you can lose something but gain something else. And then you've got to weigh what you've gained. Is it better or worse than what you've lost?
1: Yeah, if there was a sequel to this movie, I would watch it in a heartbeat. Though, I'll tell you
2: that. <laughs> I, uh, I know. I know. It It is frustrating, man. It is frustrating to watch because, like... But it's, it's, we're not watching Bandersnatch. It's like, you can't make your own decisions while watching this movie. You just-
1: <laughs> No, it's, it is like that too. Like, if I watch this a second time, it sometimes when I watch movies a second time and we get to the part where they make the choice I don't like, I'm like, oh fuck, maybe this time you won't make this dumb choice. Oh. The so.
2: scene, the scene when Joe is crying, I'm just like, fuck. It fucking yeah. killed me. What did you, Stephanie? What did you think? What, I, I don't, we haven't gotten your rating yet.
3: No, I give it a high taste. It. Um, I think I and I, I agree with you, Brian. I think that's part of what makes the to, to me what makes the movie so compelling is like there are there are some bad decisions made, and in the moment you and some of some of these decisions in the moment, I'm not sure if it's a bad decision. All I can say is like I don't think I do that, and then when it turns out to be a bad decision. You empathize. There's no way to know. I, I felt so 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 many times in this movie. I was putting myself in his shoes to the extent that I could do that, and saying like, I don't know what I would have done. I don't fault him for making the decision. But see, but he see
2: it's like now. it's it's like he learned nothing because he's still reacting like an addict. And I think that that's what's yes. so powerful about this movie is the fact that like. You know, it's like you've got a character who's been sober for four years, but he still hasn't gotten it. It doesn't matter that you're clean and sober. You're still doing things like an addict. And he's still. So that's what I thought was so powerful about this movie, that they were able to incorporate. These these um, actions that you do when you are an addict. In this setting, I, I, that kind of blew my mind. And I think like this is, I think this is going to be a super powerful movie to people that, that are maybe going through, through addiction and things like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Honestly, this conversation is making me appreciate the movie a lot more than I did when the end credits rolled. Like I, I just kind of get its point a lot more. And yeah. You've made a lot of great points about like just, addiction and i'm thinking about other scenes where that's kind of brought to light
2: yeah like has this guy really worked out his addiction i mean because like honestly he he basically replaced his addiction with his love for lou and she did the same thing she replaced her fucking um she i mean we know that she had like this self-loathing after her mother died and she's a cutter and she cuts herself and like she replaced that In a way, with her love for Ruben, but like, are these two good together? Are they, is that really, is, I don't, people, you need, I think that people need to watch this to kind of make up their own mind. It's, it's such a, I think everybody will get something else different out of this movie when you watch it. And, you, Jake, you said you're not going to watch this again, but I think, like, even if you did watch it again, you might get something different out of it the second time.
1: No, I yeah, and I really mean it. I Just this combo has made me appreciate it so much more. I, it has got me thinking about watching it a second time, like some of those conversations between, um, what was the leader of the Death Compound's name? Joe. Uh, Joe. Yeah. The, those are such powerful conversations they have, especially during the uh, last third of the movie, that, yeah, maybe I will revisit this. Um, One of the most charming parts, I thought, was at the beginning of the movie when um, Lou and Ruben are just having their conversation while driving down the road. I I laughed a lot at the... uh why is it not okay to floss in public conversation <laughs>
2: it's okay it's 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 okay to use a toothpick but if you were to floss in public it's a big problem I, do you get yeah, the truth here's the truth with me i i keep floss in my car and when there's like nobody on the highway next to me i'll i'll floss <laughs> do the exact same fucking thing Oh my god. Do you do
3: it out of habit or do you do it when you feel something in there?
1: No, I do it when I have to have it. Like if I eat fucking steak or something, yeah. like I can't fucking wait till I get home. Like I have to get that shit out I've of I've
2: always, got, I've got floss at home. Don't worry. I've got floss at home, but on the flip side, I have floss in my car and Same. I, I keep it, but when I'm on the road, if I'm flossing and I see like another car creeping up on me, like I'll hide it and I won't, I won't let them see me flossing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But if it was oh, a toothpick God. on the flip side, if it was a toothpick, I wouldn't mind. That's like it's so true, though.
1: Yeah. You'll use a toothpick in the middle of a fucking crowded restaurant. Yeah. You can't just start fucking flossing away. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, I thought that was a very astute observation. Yeah. I, really, I really appreciated that conversation. Just that throwaway moment of the movie that I thought. Yeah. Was like, it really was
2: it was me. it was it was like uh, former drug addicts getting very Seinfeldian on us.
1: It was. It was. It was a kind of a movie about nothing there for the first.
2: What time is the deal with toothpicks and floss? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it okay? <laughs> anyway.
1: Oh boy, yeah. fucking Ruben! God damn it, <laughs> Riz Ahmed was Riz Ahmed was fucking fantastic in this movie. Oh yeah. No, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Tupperware's performance. Tupperware, the sound mix.
2: I honestly think that I, and for me, like basically bringing to light, like the whole thing of like this operation where they can bring back
1: your hearing, kind of like. <sighs> I didn't yeah, spoiler territory, kind of, but
2: you well, know. like th- 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 there's a talk. There's a he talks with the doctor at first, and he says, you know, like is there a way that, you know, you can bring back your hearing and, 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 you know, is it, what, what can we do? And he's like, yeah, there's these implants that you can get. And, um, you know, I think that they kind of like the reality of those implants, you know? So it's, it is, uh, it's, it's an interesting movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: I watched, uh, I watched death on, uh, Sundance TV, um, it's a British three-part television drama series. It's based on the 19... This is a true based on a true story. Based on the 1983 arrest of Scottish serial killer Dennis Nilsson after the discovery of human remains causing a blockage of a drain near his home. The script Ugh. is... Yeah. The script is based on the book Killing for Company by Brian Masters, who interviewed Nilsson while he was in prison. This one stars David Tennant. Yes, Doctor Who David Tennant. Broadchurch... David Tennant as Dennis Nilsen, serial killer, Daniel Mays as detective chief inspector, Peter Jay and Jason Watkins as biographer, Brian masters. And, uh, it's a three part series, um, about 45, 46 minutes a piece. Each episode. It's on Sundance TV. I watched this through the AMC plus app. Um, I dropped shutter for five 99. And with AMC plus, I am able to get. I did their. Um, it was their Black Friday deal where you could get AMC Plus for the first three months for four ninety nine. You get AMC Plus. You get BBC. You get Shutter. You get Sundance TV, Sundance Now, um, IFC Films. All of those services for eight ninety nine a month, but I get the first three months for four ninety nine, and I was already paying. Five ninety nine a month for Shutter, So it just made sense to now, me. Is, is,
1: is that a bundle or does AMC Plus just always have those services included in it? It
2: always has it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can add AMC Plus to Roku. You can add AMC Plus to your um, uh, Apple. If you have Apple TV, you can add it there. You can add it to Amazon Prime. Uh if you have cable or satellite and you already have AMC included, you can add AMC plus for four ninety nine a month instead of eight ninety nine. Uh and you just log into AMC app and then you just sign into your premiere. So it's actually called AMC Premiere if you go through cable or satellite, and then it's called AMC Plus if you do the standalone app on Roku, Amazon or Apple. But um this is – uh oh, my God. Uh, David Tennant, his performance in this is an absolute Tupperware. He plays Dennis Nilsson. If you look at the pictures of Dennis Nilsson in real life, who – when he committed these acts, it was from 1978 to 1983. He killed 15 men. And uh it gets into, like, why he killed them. He would strangle them, and then he would bury them in the backyard. But before he buried them, he would f- – fucking have their dead bodies propped up in a chair next to them and he'd watch tv with them and he'd play with their bodies he fucking cut the head off of one young man and boiled his head in water all this well it was all calculated he was all calculated he did all this as like kind of like a master plan it reminded me so much of um the movie seven where kevin spacey's character kind of like you know fucking did all this shit and at the end it was all to like do this plan like he was always he was like playing a game of chess with these fucking police detectives and um, and uh, his performance is an absolute Tupperware if you look at his picture if you look at Den- David Tennant as Dennis Nilsson you look at a real picture of Dennis Nilsson they look so similar it is eerie how similar they look and uh, just how cold and calculated this serial killer was and mm-hmm. The only reason he was caught, in my opinion, was the fact that he wanted to be caught. He wanted people to know what he did. And he wanted people to know his story. And he really is like a sociopath and a narcissist when it comes to his killing. And uh, just a fucking... Uh, this is a Tupperware for me. Um I thought it was, I thought all the actors in this just did an amazing job. Daniel Mays was, was incredible. Jason Watkins was amazing as Brian Masters. Uh, if you get a chance to watch this, if you have Shudder right now and you're like, yeah, you know, I love Shudder, but you know, I I might want to check out some of the other shit on Sundance TV or AMC plus. If you're a Walking Dead fan, you get to watch the Walking Dead episodes on Thursday before they even fucking premiere on Sunday. So you can watch Mm -hmm. episodes three days early. Uh, with the amc plus app but man you get sundance tv and there's some stuff on sundance tv that you're not going to get anywhere else and so i i fuck i was blown away by david tennant's performance in this i give i give uh des it's des is what it, the title des i give it a tupperware it's on sundance tv so fucking good it probably premiered like I would, I would imagine in England it probably was like on BBC or Sky or something but here you have to watch it on uh, Sundance TV um, yeah but Jesus Christ this guy oh my god you think of you know like we have got we got Dahmer over here but over there they had fucking this Dennis Nilsen
1: Jesus when did you say this happened in the 80s it yeah, happened from
2: 1978 to 1983 they caught
1: this guy in 1983 Ugh. Wow, that's wild. And he just basically did it on purpose. He got caught on purpose. He got caught
2: on purpose, 100%. Yeah, it's fucking, it's like they would, I I don't, who knows when they would have fucking caught this guy if it hadn't have been for him wanting to get caught. It's it's crazy.
3: Did he go after specific victims?
2: He went after a specific type. For the most part, yeah, yeah. Uh, the holiday movies that made us uh, on Netflix. Uh, we've all been – I don't know. I've been watching The Toys That Made Us. Then I watched The Movies That Made Us. And now they've got The Holiday Movies That Made Us. Kind of shocked that it was only two two movies. What? Yeah. I mean, I mean, well. the movies that made us, they already did Home Alone, which is a holiday movie. But they did that – all the movies that made us were basically like these movies that they didn't feel like had a shot at getting made. It's like these movies that were made that uh, they had the odds against them. Like how did this movie even get fucking made in the first place? And they threw home alone and in, in that movie. And when you watch it, you kind of realize like, wow, that movie overcame a lot of odds to even get made. And that sounds insane because home alone was one of the biggest movies of all time. But anyway, the holiday movies that made us, they came out with two episodes, Elf and The Night Before Christmas. I only watched the Elf episode, um, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you why I didn't watch The Nightmare Before Christmas episode, which I probably should, and you guys might turn me around on this one. I'll be honest with you. Hot take here. I'm not a big (laughs) fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not one of my... I don't. I don't have any love for that movie. I, I seen it once, and I was not blown away. And I know it's a beloved movie, um, but it was just not my thing. But I did watch the Elf episode. Um, Jake, you haven't watched all the the movies that made us or the the toys that made I us did. episodes. I
1: did. I went. I went back and watched. I did. Seen you all of them now. Yeah. Good.
2: Good. Good. Okay. Very cool. So, what'd you think about uh, the holiday movies that made us?
1: I thought it was was okay i i probably taste the elf one and high taste the nightmare before christmas of all the that meta series this was probably my least favorite I, i'm i i can not really put my finger on why but i don't know there just wasn't as much interesting stuff about these two movies and i didn't think they like interviewed maybe the right people like i would have liked to have heard from other people involved in these movies besides the people they interviewed. I mean, there's you really don't hear anything from Will Ferrell or Zoe Deschanel or
2: probably you know, busy with other other projects. I would imagine, but you know that like I, I understand like why Jon Favreau wasn't in there. He's probably doing shit with The Mandalorian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't – I don't know. The the stories weren't as fascinating as any of the movies that made us, in my opinion. Like if Home Alone would have been part of this series, it would have by far been the best episode.
2: Yes, yes. Agreed.
1: Uh, um, I I did like the Nightmare Before Christmas one more. I thought it was really fascinating to get a kind of behind-the-scenes look at Tim Burton kind of at the peak of his stardom. Like, he was, like, almost rock and roll stardom in Hollywood at this time. Like, he had just come off of Batman, and he was actually filming Batman Returns at the same time that Nightmare Before Christmas was being made by Henry Selleck. And it's just interesting to hear kind of some unusual stories about him. Um Even though he didn't direct the movie, he was pretty much the god of it and had all the final says when it came to all the production design and everything that they did in that movie. And man, there's this story where he goes to the studio and they try to sell him on a different ending to the movie than what we actually saw. And he gets so mad about this idea that he kicks a hole through the fucking wall with his foot. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't say fucking anything. He just fucking smashes a wall with his foot. Um,
2: Holy shit. That is that is, a, that is a fucking statement, sir. Yeah.
1: When he leaves, the people making the movie actually put a uh, red marker outline around the fucking hole in the wall and like, right, this is the hole that Tim Burton kicked. <laughs> <laughs> and so they talk about him being followed around by just a ton of groupies everywhere he went and everything. So it's almost a more fascinating look at Tim Burton's stardom than learning about the making of nightmare before Christmas. I mean, there's some of that in there too. Um, I'm a huge Danny Elfman fan and I've always wondered why he only did the singing parts for Jack and he wasn't allowed to do any of the spoken dialogue and you get kind of those answers there. Um, I didn't realize that it was Danny Elfman's ex-wife that actually wrote the screenplay for nightmare before Christmas. And She actually wasn't going to write it, but the person that was hired to write it actually went on a fucking, like, drug bender and took all the money that they paid him to write the movie and spent it on drugs and didn't have anything at all. Like, he basically just adapted Danny Elfman's songs into a screenplay and did no work whatsoever. So they kind of had an emergency writer write the movie. And this was by far the better of the two episodes. And I, Guilty as charged, I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh,
2: most people do. Most people do. It's like, you know, it's like it's one of those movies you can watch at Halloween or you can watch it at Christmas.
1: It did remind me a lot of the Monster Squad documentary, though because it wasn't the most popular thing when it came out. Really? And a lot a lot of the people involved in the movie kind of felt like they spent all, because it took over two years to make this movie, and then it kind of came out with a thud. Um, Disney released it under Touchstone Pictures, so it probably didn't make as much money in the box office as it could have. At the time, Disney was afraid to attach their name to something that had such kind of harrowing characters and wasn't, the atypical like disney you know
2: they were like you know what we don't there's no racist crows in this movie <laughs>
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly
2: <laughs> so they're like what happened to the good old days of dumbo with racist crows
1: <laughs> exactly so it was one of those things where the the writers and the creators and the voice actors like it wasn't until like a decade later when they started going to like hot topics and other places and seeing all of a sudden all this merchandise that existed for this movie that didn't exist when the movie came out like there's almost it's almost a bigger presence now in 2020 than it was when it came out especially when it comes to buying merch for it i mean not a halloween or christmas goes by where. Go into a Walgreens and see a whole fucking end cap full of Nightmare Before Christmas. I bet there's shit.
2: fucking Hallmark ornaments of uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it was. I thought that was really cool. It was one of those things where everyone was kind of disappointed by its release, but then a decade later, you get kind of the warm feelings that you did right because it's just finally such a smash hit. And I'm I'm honestly surprised that Disney hasn't made a sequel, made a television series. Like, as much merchandise as they continuously pump out for this thing, surprised they haven't gone to that well again.
3: Yeah,
2: they're still making money off of it. Why? What's the need?
1: I mean, I felt the same way with Cars, but they made fucking two more of those god-awful things.
2: Yeah, yeah well, we know <laughs> how those turned out, too. It's like, do we need a fucking uh, Aladdin sequel? We're getting a fucking <laughs> Aladdin sequel. We got a, We got an animated Aladdin sequel. We're getting a live-action animated sequel to Aladdin, too. They even
1: about it they even talking, about, if they're
2: if they're they're even talking about the spin off the spin off with dealing with that fucking one guy from the, the the lad movie.
1: oh, I forgot that was gonna happen. the white guy who was the prince yeah the only <laughs> white guy
2: that's <laughs> so part of the uh this part of the diversity push over there, at Disney
1: yeah some of the, more of the Disney magic that you were speaking about. <laughs>
2: they're like yeah we're gonna give this one white- we're gonna put some racist crows in that fucking movie too
1: i did with the elf one though it was really cool to see how much of that stuff was ad-libbed and i was absolutely cracking up at the stories of james khan on set james, james khan, khan yeah oh my god and just their interactions like will ferrell was like intentionally basically trying to piss james
2: antagonize him yeah
1: And that shit was hilarious, Stephanie. It actually made me appreciate the movie more because I've never been the—I don't hate Elf, but I've never been the biggest fan.
2: I think Elf is like probably the best Christmas movie that's come out post two thousand, in my opinion. I can't think of another one that's as good. Yeah,
1: I could—I could see that. I was fascinated by the uh, lawsuit, but I thought. The doc did a bad job of really telling you why or how that got resolved. They just basically, like, they spend all this time building up how they may not be able to release the movie because it's too close to the old Rudolph and Frosty stop motion animations. But then they're just basically like, but then they could. And yeah,
2: like, how, what ha, like, what, what was <laughs> yeah. resolved between them and Rankin and Bass? Was there, like, a settlement? Or no yeah, no 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 they, no, no, really they
1: did the answers
2: they had they basically said that a bunch of lawyers came there and lawyered they finally found a way to fucking I think it's the same I think they figured out a way to find the differences between what they did with his costume than the the elf costumes and the Rankin and Bass stop motion animation shit they figured out a way just the same way that they were able to kind of the Atari no excuse me Nintendo was able to fucking battle. Uh, uh, the people, um, that uh, own the rights to King Kong with Donkey Kong.
1: Yeah. In, in this circumstance, though, I, if they didn't get paid any money, I think that's kind of bullshit because I, <laughs>
2: It was so inspired by fucking Rankin and Best. Stephanie, we haven't talked to you at all.
3: I've never seen any of the, any of this series, like the move, the toys that made us, the movies that made us. This is my first dive. In. Yeah. Uh, hearing that you both have watched, like, the movies that made us makes me more hopeful because after watching these two, first of all, I was disappointed it was just two, um, because I felt like there were other movies that I felt like I would have enjoyed hearing more about the backstory, about how they right. were made. Yeah. Hearing that the other series was, seemed to be good, I w- I'll, I'll go back and watch. The, I think Elf is the best Wolfaro movie there is. Yeah, so, I yeah. That yeah, that one was interesting to me. The, the Nightmare Before I'm not a fan of the Nightmare for Christmas. The watching this was the first time I realized it was made in the nineties. I thought it was made in the early two thousands because that's when I saw it okay. and that's when I started to hear about it a lot more. Um, the uh, it was also disappointing because you hear so much around about Tim Burton being kind of the mastermind behind the movie, and I watching this, you hear that the concept was his. But the movie, really, he didn't have a whole lot to do with, but they put his name on it anyway, which kind of took away from the effort that the director that they used to actually create the film put into it.
2: Um, that, that reminds me of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for fucking everybody who's blaming Michael Bay for those movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the opposite effect, though, where everyone's praising Tim Burton. Right, right. But, uh, but everybody's <laughs> fucking fucking
2: uh, fucking Michael Bay's an executive producer on those fucking movies. And like everybody's like nobody fucking trashes Joel Liebsman.
1: No. no, he's probably happy in that circumstance. He's like the anti Henry Selick. Like, oh, thank God they put Bay's in. <laughs>
2: thank God, yeah. Bay continues to ruin everyone's childhood. I'm Joel Liebsman. <laughs>
1: At least that guy can still get hired as a director.
2: Joel Liebsman's <laughs> name is in the clear. What did you guys think about? I, I never knew that they originally had like the script for this was done for Elf was done in the in the nineties, and they they the, the studio wanted Chris Farley
1: to play.
3: That was crazy,
1: <laughs> how many tables would alpha smash in that movie?
3: and I'm glad they didn't I'm glad they didn't cast Wanda Sykes. I'm glad they went with um Phazon. is that his name? I can't yes, it
1: yeah. was hilarious that he still had Wanda's name, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that
2: that was great. That was so funny.
1: It was crazy that they filmed in an insane asylum for all those scenes. I know yeah. that was what happened, yeah. This,
2: yeah, I, 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 maybe I'll have to go back and watch the Nightmare Before Christmas episode, but like, yeah, this was my least favorite that they've ever done as far as like these, um, these, the, you know, the movies or the toys that made us. This was like my least favorite. The dirty dancing episode of the movies that made us is fucking incredible. And I, I'm not, I'm not a dirty dancing fan. Like I love the soundtrack. I grew up on the soundtrack, but I hate the movie. But my God, that episode was just like the making of and like what they had to do to fucking like put that to, to MacGyver that movie and make that movie was just incredible. And the fact that you know, and and same thing with Home Alone, the fact that like they didn't have faith in that movie, and like it just, you know, John Hughes, and it's a huge gangbuster of a fucking film, and you've got you know Macaulay Culkin coming off of Uncle Buck and then turning into like the biggest child actor ever, um, it's just it's just some of those some of those movies that made us are just incredible episodes, so. Mm.
1: What do you think? What do you think if you could have two more episodes of this? What What are some of the omissions?
2: Uh, I think I think we need um, a Christmas story. I know you hate that movie, Jake, but I think we need a Christmas story.
1: I would I would love to see that. Like I would I would definitely watch that in a second. That's definitely probably the biggest omission.
2: And then I think uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation
1: would oh, be the get next on my head. one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Maybe Santa Claus. I always think of that movie
2: oh the, the tim, tim allen, allen thing yeah I mean, i'm not i'm not a tim allen guy except for, except for fucking galaxy quest man i will fucking give it up to tim allen and galaxy quest
1: yeah yeah i agree galaxy quest is by far his best movie i
2: don't know yet. if i want to see a movies a holiday movies that made us but fucking jingle all the way i still fucking love that movie
1: oh yeah jingle <laughs> all the way is fucking so underrated fucking i see people finally now appreciate it
2: that's the best Sinbad movie ever made
1: that's not (laughs) high phrase (laughs) (laughs) oh boy it's either that or the genie movie that doesn't exist
2: oh yeah it was it it was it kazam or shazam or whatever yeah yeah all right ah fuck hardy boys hardy boys on hulu stephanie did you watch any episodes of the hardy boys I did. I watched the first episode. I watched the first two. Uh, when the Hardy Boys, Frank and Joe, and their father, Fenton, arrive in Bridgepoint, they set out to uncover the truth behind the recent tragedy that has changed their lives. And in doing so, uncover something much more sinister. It stars Alexander Elliott, Rohan Campbell, Jennifer Sung, Keanu Lynn, Riley O'Donnell, Bia Santos, and Adam Swain. All people I've never fucking heard of before. <laughs> I, I could, I couldn't tell you uh, Rohan Campbell from uh, Riley O'Donnell. I have no idea. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. What, you, Harley, Hardy Boys based on the book series. This is it's set, in, it's set in the eighties, right, Stephanie?
3: It, I, I, I was going to ask you that. It looks like late seventies, early eighties to
2: me. Well, it's a lot of the music is coming out of the eighties, and they're playing like video games that look like they're coming out of the eighties, but they're not video games that I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I don't know, and they don't they don't even look like Atari games, they look more like eight bit games coming from Nintendo, but I don't know, but uh, you saw the first episode I've watched the first i I'm, I'm through two and a half, so I've been through two and a half episodes. I'll just say this about the Hardy Boys on Hulu um I think that this is a fantastic show for like if you're a if you're a young teen or a young boy. I think it's a great series, um, and I think that's who it's targeted to. I don't know if this is, like, targeted towards adults, but I think as far as, like, a mystery where, um, you know, kids are solving all these different things that are going on within, within this small town of Bridgeport, you know, there's all these different these different mysteries that they have to solve the boys their their mother died and we find out that she was at one time a journalist but she'd not been a journalist for 2 years but it looks like she was following a story and it looks like her death may have been caused uh, somebody might have might have killed her it might not just have been a car wreck and um, they end up moving to Bridgeport because of the death of their mother and once they're in Bridgeport they find out about all these other mysteries that are going on they might be all intertwined to the death of her mother they've got kind of like a DB Cooper kind of story going on too with one character who's who goes into a plane and jumps at 10,000 feet and uh it's kind of a DB Cooper story going on with that character and uh i don't know what i i i'll give it a uh uh i will give this one honestly i'll give it a high taste it because i think it's a fun story for like young you know preteens and and younger kids to watch with characters that are their age trying to figure out a mystery. But I don't think, even though it's set in the 80s, I don't think that the characters are compelling as like the Stranger Things kids to where like everyone can like find a character that they can relate to. I feel like in the Stranger Things stories, like we can all find a character that we relate to in Stranger Things. I, and I'm going back to the first season of Stranger Things you know like we can all be we can all relate to like oh i was a i was a dustin or i was a steve or i was you know we can all figure out like who we were back then and in this it's just like i don't know i I don't think the characters are that relatable but i think the mystery's fun and i think it's fun enough for kids what do you think stephanie
3: yeah i you took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna say if i was younger i think this would have me hook line and sinker Um, you know, if I was like 13, I'd be all, I'd be all over this. This is really great. Um, I think they do a really good job of setting the story after the end of the first episode. I think I didn't have time to watch the second episode, but I was like, I'm curious what the grandmother knows. Like that was the, you know what I mean? So, um, I think it's really good. I think the kid, the, 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 the two young actors that play the brothers, I think they're really good. They are. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good. I think it would be – it's going to be hard um, and for, like, an older audience to really appreciate it and hang on. But I think if they're able to capture a younger audience, then I think that they've really got something on their hands. I didn't read the – they were books. Like, were they in the 80s or something? 70s, 80s, are the books based on the books?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is – I guess it's loosely based on the books, yeah. Uh,
3: okay, yeah. I didn't – so I don't know if they're going to capture that audience because it didn't capture me. But – um but I think it's a valiant effort. I'd give it a taste there for sure.
2: I liked how they called the one kid. the what was it? The, the young boy, uh, Joe, was it Joe? Mm-hmm. His like the kids in the neighborhood called him farty. <laughs> 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 oh, uh,
1: they, kids are so mean. Kids
2: are so mean. They bullied yeah, yeah. him. They called him <laughs> farty. And it, you know, that's what I would do. Call them the Farty Boys, and I'd make <laughs> fart noises when they walk by. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think. I think it's a fine series. I do. I. I just don't like. This is like another one of those Hulu series where it's just like. I don't think it's on the level of like a Stranger Things, where it's also going to capture the adults to where the adults are going to have to watch. Every episode, I, I think this is made for like more of your like teenager.
3: Yeah, and I worry. I feel like I'm seeing this trend, especially if, especially after Stranger Things. I think shows taking place in the 80s is now the thing. Oh, totally. And it's oh, like, yeah. does, if you're not going to do it well, don't try. Stranger Things really, for all my critiques of that show, it does that with perfection. And so, if you're not going to be able to do it, I feel like this show was to it's, it's set in the 80s or whatever the time frame it is, and it doesn't. It doesn't do it well enough to do it, if that makes any sense. It's such a niche thing. Yeah. It just kind of feels played out now.
2: No, Stranger Things makes you feel like it's, uh, especially that first season, it really makes you feel like you're in the 80s. And I honestly, the third season, in my opinion, like it made you, it made me feel like, you know, know, the days of going to the mall back then, you know, it brought back all those fucking memories of going back to the mall in the 80s and, and stuff like that and. I don't know. Yeah, this 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 uh it's even though it's set in the eighties, I don't get like that uh it doesn't it doesn't really like ooze the eighties like the the Stranger Things series does. Right.
1: Yeah. Um
2: I don't did you guys have anything personal that you wanted to talk about for Good Pop Bad Pop?
1: No, not this week.
2: No. Jake, I know you've been reading Ready Player Two. How far?
1: Yeah, I was going to bring it up, but I figured I'd be finished by next episode. Okay. I don't want to really talk about my opinion now without knowing how the landing sticks. Gotcha.
2: Gotcha. Um, I did two things that I want to talk about here real quick, real quick. Um, I watched uh, a very special G4 reunion special. And um
1: uh, I saw that that had aired. Is is, is, is ah, I can't talk. Is Xavier Woods on that?
2: N- no. Oh, no, no. He is. He is. He is. He's the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He shows up in it. He shows up in it towards the very end, and it looks like he's going to be – I'm guessing that he's going to be part of a new talent that shows up for the, the G4 reboot that happens in 2021.
1: Yeah, that's been announced. He's the host of the reboot.
2: Of Attack of the Show or what? Like
1: he's like the – I read that he's like the network's like mascot basically like i think he's going to be on attack of the show i think he's going to be on the commercials okay i forget what his real life name is but he goes by his real life name on um g4
2: okay uh yeah because like this was a this was a reunion special that they had and it was like a thanksgiving setting uh ron funch is hosted and they brought back a lot of like the the hosts that you knew from G4 back in the day, Adam Sessler from X Play, Morgan Webb from X Play, Blair Herder, Kevin Pereira, Olivia Munn. Um, they brought them all back and they it was more of like kind of like a um, a tribute and uh a fond like fondly remembering a lot of the sketches that they did back in the day. And it was it was very comedic. In my opinion, here's the thing. I, I enjoyed seeing all these people back together. But in my opinion, like it lacked the. It was more humor based. And like I wanted to, me personally, Kevin Pereira and Olivia Munn in the same room talking to one another again is a big fucking deal. They had a huge, yeah, huge falling out when they were at G4. And they hosted many episodes of attack of the show. And I loved them on attack of the show. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff between them that happened that Kevin Pereira has talked about in, you know, very limited, but he has talked about it. He does the pointless pod or he did the pointless pod, his podcast. He hasn't put out a new episode in a very long time. And if he is putting out new episodes, they're exclusive to Patreon or something. I don't know, but like, On iTunes, I used to listen to him all the time. But, uh, him and, him and Livinia Munn had not talked in a long time. I heard that they had maybe a one phone call conversation and I, I, they had a falling out and, and, and in this, they kind of uh, like alluded to the fact that they had a falling out, but they never addressed it. They wanted to keep everything kind of like light and fluffy and fun for this and just show like old sketches and, and all this shit. But me on the flip side, like, dude i want to fucking know what happened and like are they are they friends again are you know like what is going like what the fuck happened there the fallout was never really explained or discussed it was all played for jokes it was nice to see all these hosts back together again and i'm super excited to see g4 rebooted and come back in 2021 Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb, hopefully coming back again and doing X-Play. You know, I was there from the very beginning when all this fucking happened. Like, I remember when it was ZD... when Before G4, there was ZDTV. And that was from, like, 1998 to the year 2000. You had ZDTV, which eventually turned into Tech... It's turned into tech TV. And then you had G4 TV, which was the gaming shit. And then in order to keep everything together, those two stations merged sometime, I think, in like 2004. ZDTV turned into tech TV by 2001. And then tech TV merged with G4, and it was called G4 Tech TV TV. And then it finally just fucking kind of like dissolved into just what we know as G4. And then X-Play and Screensavers and all these shows I think were like, I don't, Screensavers was still around, but like, anyway, it all turned into G4 TV and then G4 TV went off the air in 2013. And I, I, dude, I would watch every fucking day I would record G4. Attack of the Show, X-Play, all these shows that they had on G4. I would watch American... I would watch Ninja Warrior before they even did American Ninja Warrior. I was watching... The same. I was watching fucking uh, Unbeatable Banzuki. All these shows I was watching on G4. And if you want to watch Unbeatable Banzuki, I think you can watch those episodes on Daily Motion. You can watch Unbeatable Banzuki episodes on Daily Motion. It's such a great fucking show. But anyway... um, You know i was there watching all this shit and um when g4 went off the air it was like it fucking sucked man because like they were like the the first um station to cover san diego comic-con like that's how i fucking would hear interviews with people that were at san diego comic-con if you wanted to see what was going on on the floor at san diego comic-con you were watching g4 over that three four day weekend you know and I mean It's
1: kind of never been the same
2: It's never right? been the same IMDB TV Did San Diego Comic Con Com With like Kevin Smith And all the shit But it's never been the same Jake You're absolutely right
1: No there was just something About the magic of them Being on the floor And just like It almost seemed like They didn't even Necessarily have all the Interviews planned Like they were just like Grabbing whoever they could get
2: Oh yeah Oh shit Fucking, fucking we just got Ryan Reynolds We got Ryan Reynolds He's talking to us right now Holy shit you know and but 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 then on the flip side it's like you know zach snyder was there to talk to him and Zack snyder was just like that's when i fucking first like saw like the interviews with zach snyder and just like his energy and like the way he fucking like a, the crowd loved him and shit like that you know like Not for sure after he made Watchmen and shit like that so i don't know this was i'll give this reunion special a taste it but on the flip side it's like i want to hear some podcasts from kevin Pereira, and i want to know like <laughs> i want to know about this fucking shit that happened in the background and i'm really looking forward to chris gore's documentary um attack of the doc it's a documentary that's going to eventually come out um chris gore came out with uh chris gore follows us and i follow chris gore and chris gore follows pop culture leftovers on twitter and Chris Gore sent out to all of uh, the people that follow him, he sent out, you know, please, please let people know about this movie that I'm putting out. Um, he's done this a couple times with us, Jake. He did. He's done a couple things, but he sent us messages in the past. And and but he sent me he sent me a message on Twitter saying, you know, please let people know about Attack of the Doc. And so I I retweeted it for him. He thanked me and stuff like that. He, Chris Gore is very cool. We're, you know, he's with G4. With, been with g4 but he, he he's doing a documentary called attack of the dock and it's a it's a documentary about you know the rise and fall of uh g4 and that's i think that's coming out sometime in 2022 but that's um well cool. i
1: need to watch this i i was the same way i was addicted to g4 yeah i watched i watched every episode of attack of the show that mm-hmm. i could um i watched x play yeah Man. My ex used to delete Attack of the Show off my DVR because she had some insane beef with Sarah Underwood and her cleavage. And it's like, motherfucker, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fucking watching this shit for Sarah Underwood's cleavage. Can you settle the fuck down with your jealousy?
2: <laughs> dude, that fucking sucks, dude. I had an ex that wouldn't let me watch Blind Date because she didn't want me thinking about dating other girls. Oh my god. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, watch I would like. Once we broke up, dude, I fucking was watching every episode of Blind Date that I could get my hands on. Because
1: yeah, sometimes I would let three or four episodes get stacked up and then just watch them all. But it got yeah. to a point where I had to watch them like day of, or be scared that they would be deleted. Right? Oh, and just that take sucks. so much flack for it, and it's like, what the fuck?
2: They came out with a uh, they came out with a DVD years ago, and they I, I think they printed like two thousand or three thousand copies. It was called Attack of the Shorts. And it was all like their shorts, like skits oh, and that shit. That
1: was my favorite part.
2: Yeah, I have the, I have a copy of Attack of the Shorts, and it's got like the Wonder Twins. It's got like the Drunkle Ted, all that shit on there. It's great.
1: It was also kind of meme culture before meme culture existed, like just with like the viral videos that they would show. Like, yeah, I would see those kind of things on Attack of the Show before I well saw
2: they were they the were DNA. doing they were doing the Tosh shit too, like with Web Soup with Chris Hardwick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Hardwick was on there as Hardwick, well. I remember
2: that? Hardwick hosted fucking G uh, Attack of the Show for a while.
1: <laughs> so did Sarah Underwood and her cleavage show up on <laughs> the uh, reunion? No.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> I had my fingers crossed, bro. <laughs> But man, I, I dug it. I'll give it a taste it, man. I, I'm looking forward to the G4 coming back and I hope that it fucking can stick this time, man. And I hope it's yeah, the what's same. What's
1: the, what's the capacity of the, of it coming back? Is it going to be on like major, like we'll be on Slaying or Xfinity or HTTP or is it going to be online only? Like I, I don't really understand the details of that.
2: Uh, I, I don't know yet. I really don't know yet. Yeah. Hmm. Like, uh, cause like once it, once once g4 ended it turned into the esquire network garbage yeah so i don't know what's going to happen with g4 when it comes back where we're going to be able to watch it but i'm looking forward to it looking forward to it i love fucking g4 um cyber dynamite i watched this i was uh i'm a fan here's the thing i'm a fan of the movie napoleon dynamite but here's the thing I it, I have a hard time watching the whole movie all the way through. I worked in a electronics department where we sold TVs and stuff like that and we'd had a, we had Napoleon Dynamite playing. And so it was one of those movies where like we would just like laugh at certain scenes while I was watching it while I was at work. And so they did a Cyber Dynamite um uh it was called Cyber Dynamite. You can watch it on YouTube and they have the cast of napoleon dynamite reunite it's kind of like the reunited together the the josh gad shit reunited apart the josh gad show but yeah. it's but they did it it's called cyber dynamite and they had like john heater uh Efron ramirez john Grease, uh Haley duff uh chandrella um avery who played la fonda and, and tina majorino who played deb they all came back and And, uh, and and a bunch of, like, other cast members came back as well. The only cast member that didn't come back was the actor that played Kip. He didn't, he did not, did you watch this too, Stephanie? I did. Did, are you a fan of Napoleon Dynamite?
3: I am. I'm a fan. Over the years, I found, I've appreciated it more. The first couple times I watched it, I was just uncomfortable. But now, like, yeah, I've appreciated it certainly more as time has gone by.
2: Honestly, I think like if you, if I think if you've ever watched it on, I watched it on uh, DVD with the director's commentary, mm-hmm. and it's it's I think it's even better watching it with the director's commentary, hearing about them filming in Preston because that's where the director's from. They filmed it in Preston and they had all like a lot of the extras and and some of the people like that, that old man, the, the old man that ran that egg farm. Oh yes. And he's like 91 when they bring him back on this fucking reunion. (laughs) And he's that guy that when he was eating that egg sandwich was talking, he was talking about the arrowheads and, and they brought him on and he's just a sweetheart. Oh my God. But like, I don't know, like, I, I, I really loved looking, at, watching everybody come back and talking about this movie and what it meant to them. And, uh, I even watched the, I don't know if you watch this, but you can watch it on Hulu. It's the Napoleon Dynamite animated series it's all six episodes are on hulu it was on fox originally yeah yeah they had a napoleon dynamite animated series it ran for six episodes had all the original cast and you can watch six episodes all six episodes on hulu but i remember watching it i watched every episode as it aired on fox and uh, i thought that that was fantastic but uh i had a lot of fun with cyber dynamite i loved hearing their passion for these movies and it's like john heater has like his career's been up and down like he he did like the what is it the 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 will Ferrell movie the roller like the uh ice skating movie was it blades of glory yeah and yes. you know and then now most recently he did the fucking um uh, Tremors movie, (laughs) you know? So like his career, his career has gone up and down. It's gone up and down, but you know, you know, but you have uh, John Grease, uncle Rico, that, that motherfucker has been in, uh, he was in uh, before all this, he was in fucking real genius with Val Kilmer. He's done a men in black movie. I mean, this guy, you know, he's done some, he's done some big time movies, but everybody came back and just the love that they have for it. And some of the stories that they were sharing, On this was was fantastic. I I think if you're if you're a uh, a Napoleon Dynamite fan, I I give it a high taste. If you're a Napoleon Dynamite fan, like this is a this is a must watch.
0: Did they never said
3: why the actor that played Kip wasn't there? They never did. Mm -mm.
2: I don't know why he wasn't there.
3: He he's like a main character.
2: He's Kip, yeah. He's Napoleon's brother. They even got the. They even got like their grandma. Uh, you know, um, to come back. She's been on. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. She plays Mac's mom on that show. She came back and did it, but they couldn't get Kip for some reason. I don't know why he didn't come back.
3: And you know, I was curious the whole time I was waiting as they were adding people. I was waiting yes. to add him in it.
2: Me too. Oh my god! There's a there's an episode of him in the animated series where he, where he's getting ready to take a bath and he's 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 singing this song you know how he sings the songs that at the end of the movie he's saying that song when they're getting married yeah he's singing a song about bath time in the animated movie he's like in the animated show he's like bath time and he's talking about it's bath time and he's singing this song and then like <laughs> he's He's got one of those fucking in the bathroom. He's got a baby monitor, and his grandma's making sure he's okay when he's taking a bath. And he's telling her that she's that he's all right. It's funny. You gotta watch it. Trust me, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. I like. I like. If you're if you're a Napoleon Napoleon Dynamite fan for any reason, if you like that movie, um, I recommend it. Did, so you did like it.
3: I did, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was like,
2: um... It was heartwarming. I liked it. Yeah, I think we needed it. It was sweet. It was sweet. Alright, let's move in. Oh, fuck. Let's take a fucking break. (laughs) Alright. We'll come back and we'll do the Pop Culture Leftovers news.
0: Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis. And shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, Holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we're back. It is time now for the pop culture
2: leftovers news. Yeah. 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 Read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Man, Stephanie, you're over there eating. You told me you're eating a caramello.
3: Yes. Uh the, the best can and the best and most underrated candy bar.
2: Here's the and thing has Caramello ever been able to get out of the shadow of a Rollo?
3: Ooh, great question! I think that's what's holding it back.
2: It, Rolo's are fucking holding the caramello back.
3: Yeah, they are.
2: They
1: are. I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever had a caramello.
2: It's a fucking. It, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> Jake, you haven't even. It's like. It's like you've taken the Pepsi and Coke challenge, but you've never done the caramello Rolo challenge because Rolo has dominated the market.
1: Oh yeah, I've eaten a million Rolos, that's for sure.
2: And I'll even tell you I'll I'll even tell you what's going over the Rolos. If you haven't had a, if you've had Rolos, you we've all had the Rolos. If you've if you haven't dove into the Caramellos, there's another fucking there's another fucking uh black horse that you gotta worry about. It's the fucking uh milk dud.
1: Oh I love milk duds
3: oh god they still make
2: them yeah they make they make the milk duds you know what people do with the milk nuts milk milk nuts (laughs) that (laughs) sounds milk nuts (laughs) milk nuts oh god uh
1: put them in the popcorn they put them in the popcorn the hot popcorn Yum. yum yum
3: that is different
1: that's a that's a thing
3: is that a
2: midwest thing jake
1: it might be, yeah. Like, you do it in the theater, too. You fucking get the popcorn yeah. hot and shake them milk duds in there and get them all melted all over your popcorn. Yeah. Oh You've God. done it? Oh, yeah. Oh.
2: Stephanie, it's the sweet and salty.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's, the,
2: it's the sweet and salty. It's like you're dating that guy, and he's fucking – he's been drinking the pineapple juice, and he fucking – I, it's a fellatio joke. You, 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 it is. T- yeah,
3: <laughs> salty, and I get it. Yeah, get his,
2: it. his cum is salty, but on the flip side, he's been drinking some pineapple juice, so there's a little <laughs> bit of sweet in there. So you know what I mean. <laughs> he's he's been drinking. Yeah, it's like that dull that dull pineapple juice coming out of his dick.
1: <laughs> it's like a secret trick to get fresh hot popcorn at the theater too. Because if you tell them that's what you're you're doing, they'll hook you up. Whereas if you just order like a large popcorn, you're going to get the bag that they poured like five hours ago. So it's kind of one of those tricks too. It's
2: like a like a respect thing. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I see. I see, like- I see what you're going for, sir. We <laughs> will. We will hook you up.
3: I now regret that theaters aren't open because I would legit try this. That doesn't sound half bad.
2: It's it's sweet and salty. Have you ever taken uh, you ever taken the uh, French fries and put them in the chocolate uh, milkshake?
3: Yeah, I've I like I done too. it
2: with a Frosty at Wendy's. You that's got, so good. It's so fucking good. It's the same thing. It's a sweet and salty. It's like uh, the pineapple cum.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all, the circle of life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the circle jerk of life, right? <laughs> oh, man. news this week. News from Variety. Peter Dinklage set the star in Toxic Avenger reboot. Peter Dinklage will star in a reboot of The Toxic Avenger for Legendary, Variety has confirmed. Macon Blair will write and direct what is described as a contemporary reimagining of Troma's entertainment, 1984 hit of the same name. Dinklage will play Toxie, the superhero around which the film centers. Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers will su- serve as producers for Troma Entertainment. Jake, I don't know about you, but I grew up watching The Toxic Avenger
1: oh yeah i i've talked about it on the podcast before it's the the scene where the kid gets his head run over by the (laughs) car yeah it was like i always thought it was the most gruesome thing i'd ever seen until i revisited the movie and i was like this is the most gruesome thing i've ever seen
2: (laughs) i know it's it's just it's that trauma fucking gore right it just it's it, it looks are they gonna keep that though so okay originally known as Melvin the protagonist uh, protagonist becomes disfigured when he is pushed into a vat of toxic waste and soon assumes the moniker of Toxie but in order to save his son friends and community from corruption and greed Toxie must rise to the occasion as an underdog hero um I, I you know what i remember is like he was the fucking janitor that they got they dressed him in a fucking ballerina tutu and they you know set him up as a joke and they pushed him into the toxic fluid. He comes out as the toxic Avenger. He's Melvin, this janitor, this weakling, this dork that they all made fun of him. They, they push him in the, in the, um, toxic, uh fucking vat of fluid and shit. He comes out as this like muscle bound toxic Avenger and, um, you know, very disfigured and, uh, This this movie became like a it's a B movie cult classic and uh since then it be it you know it had an animated series they made a um musical about it and uh it, it's it's kind of like you know Toxic Avenger has actually been the the uh, the mascot of trauma for many years but uh I Peter Dinklage as
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I love Peter Dinklage, but I just don't see him nerdy enough or square enough to be that character i mean are they going to pick on him because he's so short because that seems like kind of lame
2: yeah i don't know and then, then once once he becomes right. once he becomes toxic you can't are you casting peter dinklage as the toxic avenger at that point or are you getting another actor to play
1: the toxic avenger or is it just some crappy CGI nonsense?
2: Right. Or does he turn into what's his character? Does he just become a, a larger version of uh, Peter Dinklage, like he did in uh, Infinity War when he was? Remember <laughs> what, what was his character's name? I can't even remember. I
1: forget too. I drink the, too the much. Weapon b- maker.
2: Yeah. And I I keep wanting to say like I can't remember his fucking name. I'm I've been drinking too much wine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. This movie scares me for a lot of the same reasons I think you've brought up already, Brian. It's, it's, it was just probably the most wrong movie I ever saw when I was a kid. And I don't, I don't think PC culture can take a toxic Avenger remake the way the original was. Oh, no,
2: not at all. Not at all.
1: So this movie is going to need a lot of charm and a lot of other stuff going for it to be a good movie. So I'll definitely be there. Like, I'll, I'll, I will watch this when it first comes out, and I will be excited. But I'm pretty fearful it'll be very bad.
2: Uh, Stephanie, have you ever seen The Toxic Avenger?
3: I've never seen it. I was going to ask, one, when it came, and the original came out, and two, what was, the, what was the thing that they picked on the original about?
1: He's just such a nerd and such a square.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the original came out in the 80s and it was like it was a it it came out after like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but it was like in the same vein of like those beam those like really cheap low budget B movies. And but it it had like you know, it had nudity so you had like, you know, girls taking their tops off, there was sex and there was uh like violence galore, violence galore, like hyper violence to the point where I feel like a lot of like what we watch in the movies like Deadpool now is very much inspired by like trauma and um you know what Lloyd Kaufman did with those movies back in the day, and um they've got the director uh Macon Blair, who's gonna be writing and directing this one. I looked and saw like what he's done in the past, he did I don't feel at home in this world anymore which is a movie with elijah wood and melanie melanie linsky if you remember uh of course everybody knows who elijah wood is lord of the rings and but uh, melanie linsky who is in um two and a half men and then uh she was also in the informant the steven soderbergh film but uh that movie i think you can watch it on netflix and it's about a woman she's um Somebody robs her home and then she tries to track down the thieves that, uh, rob her home and, and, uh, she tracks them down with her neighbor, which is played by Elijah Wood. And then they find themselves in this, uh, fucking, uh, getting into all this danger, uh, when this movie unfolds, I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And I think, I think that Macon Blair is a good director. Um, so I think that, I think Macon Blair is a good choice for this. It's just, I want Lloyd Kaufman to be really involved in this one. And I want them to use a lot of practical effects if they're going to do this right, Jake.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think CGI would ruin the feel of this movie. Um, yeah, and I want it to be a hard R.
2: Yes, 100%.
1: If it's not a hard R, I'm disappointed before I even see this thing.
2: The only articles that I've seen that have come out of this are from major outlets. I haven't seen Troma come out with any of their own articles about this because as far as like, you know, we, we get some, we get, I get emails from, you know, some of the different outlets and stuff like that. And one of them is Troma. I get, I get uh, emails from, uh, from Tromaville and Tromaville hasn't addressed this movie at all. So I you know I want I want to hear more from Lloyd Kaufman like what's the direction what are they really doing with this
1: new Toxic Avenger film
2: I don't want it to be this PG-13 Toxic Avenger movie
1: No there's no point I I don't even know if I'd watch if it wasn't R our- Yeah like, that's going to be such put such a bad taste in my mouth. That's kind of the whole point of this movie is just this over-the-top sensationalism of the whole thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think the first time I saw this was, like, on um, USA Up All Night. And then I was like, fuck, I got to watch this in, orig- in its original form. So I rented it on VHS and watched it with friends.
1: Oh, man. I had a friend who was, like, five years older than me. So when I was 12, he was, like, 17. Mm-hmm. And he showed me the uh, – the first time I saw it was the full-blown version of this movie. And like I said, it was probably – before this, it was Police Academy. It was like the movie I should not have watched at that age. You know? <laughs> right. I, <laughs> that, I don't think a lot of people remember Police Academy 1 is so – it's like almost like Porky's. Like it's oh, so gosh. Raunchy. Yeah,
2: Porky's. Oh, my God. And
1: like it wasn't until Police Academy 2 where the whole thing kind of became – like, a family-centric movie series. Yeah. But it was far from that in the first movie.
2: Totally. Yeah, I don't know. I love Peter Dinklage. I love the Toxic Avenger. I just hope that it fucking... I hope that it feels like it's the Toxic Avenger and not this fucking, like, diluted fucking bullshit.
1: I didn't know they made it. I was looking at Toxic Avenger on iTunes to see if you could buy it. I didn't know they made a part four. Yeah. I used to have the t- the Tox box, which just had... One, two, three, in the animated movie. I've never seen part four.
2: Part four didn't it come out in like the late '80s, or it came out in
1: the year 2000. Shit. The the first three all came out in the '80s. Uh, the third one came out in '89. The the last temptation of Toxy, that one, it's okay. It's the one where he like becomes a yuppie. If you remember all that nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, can I never you, saw the fourth one. Go can ahead. you
3: stream the original anywhere?
1: I don't know. Do some amazing podcasting and look that up.
2: <laughs> yeah, go to uh just Can't watch. Oh okay, yeah, just watch. Just watch app and see if it's fucking streaming anywhere. I love the Toxic Avenger. It's I don't know. It's I don't know if you can it, watch it. It now. holds up.
1: It's still pretty insane.
2: I just don't know if I, like if like people watching it now with appreciate it the way that we did watching it when fucking
1: Gilbert Gottfried was fucking
2: premiering it on USA to the uh USA up all night and shit.
1: It's <laughs> probably true. No, it's not available to stream anywhere. It's available to buy and rent on all the different services. For as low as two ninety nine.
3: Well that's not bad.
1: No, it's not a studio movie, so it doesn't surprise to me that it's not on like yeah. Netflix or you know any of those amazon prime
2: you're absolutely right
1: it's not streaming anywhere fuck
2: oh god you know what is streaming right now for free and i watched it like a week ago (laughs) have you ever watched black dynamite with uh um michael j white no i've never seen that oh my god you would love it jake (laughs) oh my god you gotta watch it michael j white Black Dynamite. You have to watch it. It's on um, Tubi TV right now. You can watch it for free. There are ads, but I'm telling you, it is so worth it. It is so fucking funny. I love Black Dynamite. That is such a great movie. When did that come out? 2009, I think.
1: Oh, so it's pretty recent. Okay.
2: Yeah it's it's a it's a it's a comedy. It's basically like a black's toy black exploitation film um it looks like it's set in the 70s like if you watch it with somebody that's never seen it if you don't tell them that it's a movie from 2009 they will think it it was made in the 70s
1: that's funny that's cool though that they really and the music i'm sure really capture captures that
2: um bikini woodbine it's one of his first performances
1: that i remember him in
2: oh you can watch it on
1: fucking hulu too oh nice i have both to to and hulu so
2: watch no watch well you can watch it on hulu without any ads
1: oh yeah good point
2: oh my god black dynamite fucking absolute tupperware it is so fucking funny highly recommend that one it is so good uh let's move on into marvel news um this week we've seen we finally got confirmation We've seen pictures, photos of Haley Steinfeld on the set of the Hawkeye series coming to Disney Plus. She is playing Kate Bishop. Um, we heard that like this was like a thing, and then we heard like it wasn't confirmed, and we thought that she wasn't playing Kate Bishop, but now set photos have come out of Haley Steinfeld on the set of Hawkeye. It's happening. It's happening. I've got more news coming out of the Hawkeye series but Jake I know you're not the biggest fan of Haley Steinfeld yeah and
1: dude I think that it's you talked
2: about that because it's her fucking music you're just caught up on her fucking music and her singing and shit she's a good fucking actor
1: no and I've admitted to that just as much I'm not blind to why she gives me a bad taste in my mouth um and I you know I, I think she looks good in this role. I, I'm definitely willing to be open-minded and give her a shot here.
2: She was fucking phenomenal in True Grit. And I and I know you don't like Bumblebee, but I still think that that goes back to your fucking hate of her music and shit, which I don't even – I'm not even familiar with her music, but fucking
1: you're, – You're a lucky guy.
2: <laughs> I've never heard her fucking <laughs> music. But, man, I thought she was fucking great in True Grit. I loved her in fucking uh, – the Edge of Seventeen, I thought she was fantastic in that movie. Another movie you need to see, Jake. You need to get over your hate for Haley Steinfeld
1: and watch Edge of Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Steinfeld.
2: <laughs> Haley Steinfeld. Um, but, yeah, we saw the set photos of uh, her coming to the Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, first off, before we get into this, I, I kind of want to know your expectations of this. Stephanie, are you looking forward to a Hawkeye series starring uh, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld?
3: Out of all of the Disney Plus series, I think I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to this more than WandaVision. Holy shit.
2: Oh, wow. Come yeah, yeah. on. Talk to me. Talk yeah. to me. Talk to me. Talk to me.
3: Okay. So I'm definitely, I mean, top of, top of the list for me is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But this one to me seems like it could give me more substance than a WandaVision series can. I could be proven wrong.
2: Over She-Hulk. Um, over She-Hulk. Over Moon Knight. Yes all right i like it i like it i like it
3: so so i'm excited i the choice of casting her has always made me a bit weary but i'm open-minded i haven't completely written it off and i'll watch it either way um but i i I think there's a chance she could really do well um and i have no doubt that they're going to put the full force of what they have behind this to make it successful so i'm i'm anticipating that it'll be that i'll be that i'll enjoy it
2: (laughs) Oh man, I honestly, here's the thing with, and here's the thing, you say that you're looking forward to this more than Wonder Vision, and uh, after everything that I've read and seen this week, I am 100% backing you on that. Jake, I know, Jake, I think that you think we're crazy right now, talk to me.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't think you're crazy. I, I get it. I know you've always been fascinated on fast, wanted to know more about Hawkeye's backstory. You're such a huge fan of the, the fraction run and, and the Lemire stuff. And so I'm not surprised that you'd be very excited for this.
2: This isn't Hawkeye backstory. I'm going to talk about when this takes place. This is not Hawkeye backstory. This is probably one of the most, uh, this is set further out than any other Disney Plus series that I know of so far. We don't know the dates on everything that's coming out right now, when it takes place in the MCU. But this one actually does not take place, uh, you know, pre-snap. This one takes place post-snap. I'll, I'll get into that here a little bit later. The direct – I'm going to talk about some other castings, though. This one caught me a little off guard. The direct reports that Florence Pugh – we all know Florence Pugh is going to be playing uh, a character in the Black Widow movie. We most recently saw her in Midsummer. She was also what was that wrestling movie that she was in. She played that wrestling movie. Oh, she was good in that. Nick Frost was in it.
1: Fighting with the family.
2: Fighting with my family. I
1: loved her in that movie. Yeah, I just watched that a few weeks ago, finally.
2: What would you think? I like. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I thought it was really, really well done. I, I was kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it.
2: Have you seen Midsummer?
1: No, dude,
2: you gotta watch Midsummer.
1: I'm <sighs> scared <sighs> of Midsummer,
2: <laughs> dude. Midsummer is fucked up, bro.
1: It is. I just fucked haven't up. been in the mood for that kind of horror in a long time.
2: Dude, 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 dude. It's a horror movie that takes place in Sweden during the day. <laughs> There's, like, dude, there's, like, no nighttime shit. It's, like, all in the daytime. It's, like, fucking
1: bright as shit. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's fu- that's fucked up.
2: <laughs> Florence Pugh's coming back. She's going to fucking reprise her role. She, they, Yeah, they say she's going to reprise her role. We haven't even seen her role in Black Widow yet.
3: <laughs> yeah. Is that an indication that there's going to be some that these that these these Disney Plus series is going to be a lot of crossover do you
2: think 100% Oh yeah we
1: we know that
2: 100%
3: I'm trying to stay away from a lot of news on the Disney Plus series just cuz I want to I want everything to be fresh but I was wondering that but it, that's helpful to
2: know. You can't you can't stay away from that news when you're on this show Stephanie
3: fair, fair point. <laughs> cuz I I'm,
2: I'm going to invade your ear pussy <laughs> with all this fucking spoiler bullshit Give it to me. Ah, oh, yeah, you're gonna get it. <laughs> that sounded super rapey, and I apologize.
3: That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: man, yeah, but she plays. Uh, she, 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 she uh, uh, She's expected to uh, show up and don a Ronan inspired costume, similar to the one Clint Barton wore in Avengers Endgame in uh in this disney plus hawkeye series um and uh her role in the mcu moving forward has not yet been confirmed the prevailing theory is that natasha romanoff's fellow red room assassin will ultimately wind up taking on the black widow mantle following her sister's death in endgame if that is indeed the plan it would make a certain amount of sense for her to cross paths with Barton at some point since he was so close to Natasha. And so yeah, they're saying that Florence Pugh is going to be showing up in this. And Variety backed this up recently. Comicbookmovie dot com came out with that report. And then Variety backed this up and they had even more castings for the Hawkeye series. They said the upcoming Hawkeye series at Disney Plus has cast a number of key roles Along with series leads Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, Vera Farmiga, Florence Pugh, Fra Fee, Tony Dalton, Alakwa Cox, and Zon McLarnan will all appear in the series. Reps for Disney and actors did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. Farmiga is attached to play Marvel character Eleanor Bishop, the mother of Kate Bishop, so the mother of uh, Haley Steinfeld's character, uh, Vera Farmiga, we've known her from showing up in the movies, uh, The Conjuring series. And she was also in uh, A&E series Bates Motel. Uh, Fee will play a character named uh, named Kazi, most likely short for Kazimierz, Kazimierzak, known to Marvel fans as the mercenary villain Clown. These on screen roles include the 2012 version of Les Miserables, as well as films like Animals, Boys from County Hell, and Pixie. He will also appear in the upcoming live action Cinderella film. Dalton will play Jack uh, Duquesne. I don't know how to pronounce that. More than likely a take on the Marvel character Jacques Duquesne or Swordsman, an early mentor to Hawkeye. That's fucking cool. Swordsman.
1: Yeah, I love that character.
2: Dalton uh has also been uh known for playing uh oh Salamanca from the AMC series Better Call Saul. Um Newcomer Cox will play Maya Lopez, the true name of the Marvel character Echo, a deaf native American. Holy shit, let me get into this. Newcomer Cox will play Maya Lopez the true name of the Marvel character Echo a deaf Native American who is capable of perfectly copying another person's movements making her a formidable fighter the show will mark Mark Cox's on-screen debut this leads me to believe that this is going to be 100% inspired by the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series if you guys are familiar with that series Um, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more, but Hawkeye goes deaf in that series. Like, um, I think it was in, um, Hawkeye number 19, he became deaf. There was an episode and we talked about clown showing up in this series. There's an, there's an issue where Hawkeye becomes deaf after, I think it was, um, I think it was Clown. Yeah, Clown stabbed him in the ears with arrows. And so in that Fraction series, Hawkeye, um, learns, uh, sign language and there's like even the speech bubbles in that were kind of like altered to, to, to reflect um, American Sign Language instead of uh, instead of like spoken dialogue from the character, and so
1: I think That's interesting echoes going to be in it. That's a character that I'm more familiar with in the pages of Daredevil during the uh, Bendis David Mack stuff.
2: Well, a lot of people have been saying that fucking um, Kingpin might show up in this series eventually down the line too. If they if we get a Hawkeye season two or something. Hmm? Mm-hmm and the pictures that came out and I'm talking about like even more so like connecting this to the fraction comic book. We saw pictures. I don't know if you, have you guys seen the pictures with the, with the golden retriever dog? Yeah. That's lucky. The pizza dog.
1: Yeah. I, I know. I figured that had to have been pizza dog. So
2: I'm a big fan of the fraction run. I remember going to my local comic book shop and saying like, you know, what should I get? What should I get? Um, Like, what's new? What's good? And, like, the comic book shop owner's like, dude, you got to check out the new Hawkeye book. And I was like, what? (laughs) Hold on. Hawkeye? (laughs) That was my reaction when he told me. I was like, Hawkeye, you're serious. A Hawkeye book. And he's like, yeah, you got to check out the new Matt Fraction Hawkeye. So I picked up Matt Fraction's Hawkeye number one artist david aha and i was like holy shit okay let me read this took it home i read it and i was like holy fuck i was in love with this book and right in the first episode we're introduced to like it's hawkeye and he's not dealing with super powered villains this is all hawkeye like not with the avengers like what he deals with in his downtime when he's not with the avengers and he's not battling super villains he's da- he's you know he's battling like um, the Russian mob, you know, who's basically taken over like his his um, apartment building that he lives in. They've tripled the rent for the people that live in this building, and Clint fights the Russian mob. Like this, they call him the tracksuit mafia. And in the first issue of this book, like he meets this this dog who's been um, who's been hurt and gets hit by this car. And um he, Clint is in a battle and they, they get him to the hospital and, and, and Clint takes this dog to the, to, to, uh, to get fixed up because the dog is getting, it got hit by a car and is gonna die. And um that whole story is personal to Matt Fraction because Matt Fraction found a dog, a young dog that was like, living under a car and he took this dog in. It was like this mangy dog that was like malnourished and Matt Fraction took this dog in and, and took care of this dog and um, eventually had to put the dog down years later. But it's like a personal thing for Matt Fraction. He, like, he put that, this dog, this dog that he fell in love with, he put this dog into the story. So cool that he did that. Um, his dog, he named him captain applejack but in the book it's 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 lucky the pizza dog it's this dog who um, hawkeye feeds a piece of pepperoni pizza to in the first episode and throughout each issue lucky finds a way to like they they always feed him pizza he's lucky the pizza dog and like issue i think it was issue 11 of the matt fraction run the whole issue is from the point of view of lucky the pizza dog and it's such a it is such a fantastic issue it's one of my favorite issues of the series and it reminded me of the episode of married with children from the from buck the dog's point of view (laughs) do you remember that episode jake i do i do (laughs) but um I am so looking forward to this Hawkeye series, super looking forward to this Hawkeye series. I cannot wait for this. I'm so excited. And I think, I think that's where they're going with the character is, um, I think Hawkeye will eventually become deaf. I mean, in this series. And I think that's a, a great way to, I mean, they're wanting to really diversify these characters and to have a character who's who's deaf but able to do the things at such a high level that he does i think is pretty fucking inspiring for people that you know that are deaf man i think this is fucking dope
1: yeah i i I am excited to see it they definitely picked the best era of hawkeye to adapt we kind of saw that coming the moment we saw the design for the logo for the series oh yeah So it's, it would be a real shit move to, uh, use that logo, which is so inspired by the Fraction Comic Run, and then not be inspired by that Fraction Comic Run. Like, that would be a real bait and switch shit move.
2: I think, I think that this, this is what I've been seeing. And from what I could find out about this series on Reddit, they started filming it, we've seen some pictures. The Hawkeye series is it takes place either during Christmas 2024, or Chinese New Year 2025, which in 2025 would be January 29th. So I think it takes, okay, why do I say Christmas? There was a Santa Claus extra on the set. So I've seen pictures of a Santa Claus extra on Reddit, but they filmed, they also filmed in Chinatown and there was a sign that said Happy New Year 2025. So. Chinese New Year in 2025 is actually January 29th in 2025. So in in Infinity War, that movie was set in 2018. And then Endgame had a five-year time jump, and that took that movie to fall of 2023. And then Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, is set eight months later. So that takes place at, uh, at around the time of summer 2024. So this is the furthest that we've been in the timeline so far that I know of that we can confirm. I don't know when, when WandaVision takes place, it definitely takes place post end game, but I, and it may be around the same time, but as far as I know, this is, this is set in
3: 2025.
1: Wow. That's yeah. That's way up there. 2025.
2: (laughs) Um. What do we what do we think that the series is about? And I'm going to go back to what I've said in the past. What Jake? Do you have any do you have any guesses of what the series is going to be about? Uh, Of course, it's going to be about Hawkeye mentoring Kate Bishop, and there there (laughs) have there have been pictures of him with his kids, and I think that I'll get into what I think it is. Jake, do you have any guesses? Yeah,
1: I'm not really sure. I you know other than just like the basic no duh facts. Like, I don't really know.
2: Stephanie, do you, I don't know if you've thought about this Um, or, I mean, think about, think about where was Clint in Endgame and where do you think that he could end up now? I mean, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm not familiar with the comics, but I would imagine that obviously now that he has his family back, that maybe his focus, he'll pull his focus away, less away from like I mean you're talking about his mentoring. I can see that I can see him that being where he lays as more like a mentor. We see less of him avenging and more of him like um teaching his talents um to to the new character so that he kind of takes a backseat. I see him taking more of a backseat, I would say.
2: He's doing a wax on, wax off.
3: Yes, there you go. <laughs>
2: This is what I think. This is what I think. I think that sometime in this series, something's he is he realizes that he can't do this forever. We've, we're already getting a new Black Widow. I think. I think we're getting Flores. Q is going to be taking over the role. Um, she plays. Uh, what is it, Yelena Belova? Um, she's going to be taking over the Black Widow mantle. I think that we're going to be getting Kate Bishop taking over the Hawkeye mantle. I think that you know we're going to see this character go deaf. I don't think that's going to take anything away from Hawkeye, but I think Hawkeye on the flip side, he he wants to be a family man. There's things that he has to take care of before he can be the family man. But he also just doesn't want to leave. He wants to have somebody take over the mantle. He doesn't want his kids to take over the mantle. I don't know if they want to take over the mantle. You know, we saw his daughter. He was training her at the beginning of Infinity War before You know, she fucking, you know, his family left and all that shit. Or was that the beginning of Endgame, excuse me. Um, But I I don't know if his kids want to take over that mantle. But he finds Kate Bishop. He's teaching her how to be the, the new Hawkeye. But he eventually wants to get out of this game and just spend time with his family. I think, what did we see him do in Endgame? When we first meet Clint Barton in Endgame, he's fucking... He snapped. There was two snaps in my opinion. There was the first snap when Thanos snapped and make every, made everybody fucking disappear and die. The second snap was when fucking Hawkeye lost his family and he snapped and started going around killing the Yakuza. That motherfucker snapped and started going around killing gang members and Yakuza and all this shit. And I think that once he was going around and he's killing all this Yakuza and then... Tony snaps and brings back everybody, half of the population that is gone now. I think Tony brought back some of the Yakuza members, and the Yakuza members that were brought that were taken away in the original snap come back and find out that Hawkeye's been going around killing members of the Yakuza. They're coming after him now. They're coming after him now. Think about it. There's got to be repercussions for what he did in Endgame. Going around, being a vigilante. Going around killing members of the Yakuza. And now these members of the Yakuza come back and they find out that Clint Barton has been taking them out. They're going to want vengeance. And I think we're going to see this series start off with Clint Barton saying goodbye to his family again. He just got him back. I think he's going to say goodbye to them again. And send them off somewhere safe, and he's got shit, he's got shit he's got to take care of. We saw him take yeah. on the tracksuit mafia in the Fraction series. I think we're going to see him take on other members of the maybe of the Russian mob in this series. Russian uh, members of the, the of the Yakuza in this series. He's got shit that he's got to work out now, and he's got a young protege with Kate Bishop played by Haley Steinfeld going to work with him and i think the series is going to end with him passing off the hawkeye mantle to her and then going forward who knows we might get that a force movie that they've been kind of teasing with uh you know ms marvel um kate bishop um uh, you know uh you know, captain captain marvel herself um you know um I don't know. I I, I I I really think that there's got to be there's got to be some repercussions in the year 2025 for what Clint did in Endgame. I think it's going to come back to bite him. I think what he did is going to come back to bite him. I know that fucking Black Widow. I know that Natasha came back and pulled him back and and brought him back, and like got his head you know screwed on straight again. But man, he lost his shit and he fucking, he was fucking around with some big time fucking Yakuza members. We don't even know who else he fucked with. I think they're all, I think all these people that came back from the snap are going to come back at him after what he's done. That's my, that's my
1: thoughts. I hope that's true. I, I like how it's tied together with what we know. Like I, it would be disappointing to have no repercussions from him going apeshit ham on the yakuza. Like, for to bring up a whole new group of people would seem to be like forgetting the past and the story that you've already kind of weaved into the into the MCU. So, I, I, I hope that's true. I like your vision a lot.
2: I've said it before. I think it's got to happen, man. It's got to fucking happen. He just did. T- he did too much during that fucking five-year period for the five years what was it five years from 2018 to 2023 he snapped and he's just going around killing gang members and you know yakuza and maybe russian mafia i mean you know i don't know there's
1: got to be repercussions from that there's got to be people that just fucking want him dead for what he did
2: yep i think he sends away his family somewhere safe and him and kate bishop fucking have to handle what's got to be handled
1: yeah, I also think it's interesting on a level where he's, like, trying not to be that guy anymore. He's training this new protege. And then he has to kind of come face-to-face with the things that he regrets that he did in the past. And he has to explain to Haley Steinfeld's character that that's not really the way, you know. But mm-hmm. it's hard to explain that when you did those things yourself, you right? Know? It's an interesting dynamic there.
2: And yeah, and the fact that his character, I think his character, you know, becoming, um, deaf in the Marvel Universe in the MCU is pretty, I mean, we just talked about the sound of metal and I've been talking about like what they did with the, you know, the deaf character in The Walking Dead, which I think is super, super cool. Like how this, you know, like how is a character going to live in, Like the, the walking dead universe being, you know, tracked by zombies and other humans and shit like that. How are they gonna, you know, survive in the zombie apocalypse? Like how is Hawkeye gonna adapt being like, you know, going forward being a deaf character? I think that that's gonna happen 100%. Now that they've kind of like teased like with this, this new actor coming in there that's gonna be a deaf character and with, with what happens with Hawkeye in the comics, I think it's definitely gonna happen.
1: Yeah, how does that affect his archery? I mean, you know, like, hearing has so much to do with your balance. Like, it's almost like relearning the whole thing.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, man. I'm so—God damn it. I think this series is going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be phenomenal. If they do this right, it's going to be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I'm, I mean, honestly, all the Marvel series have me excited. It's taking far too long to get these on Disney+. Plus.
2: hmm No shit. Yeah. Anything on Disney plus like it's it's seriously. any dude, I dust off my Disney plus once a week and it's to watch the Mandalorian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching the Mandalorian, Stephanie? No, but I did start the first Star Wars movie, but I've not seen the Mandalorian. No. <laughs> 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 <I'm so> lame. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, you're
1: never gonna finish those star wars movies just start with the fucking mandalorian
2: <laughs> it's crazy man yeah just start with the mandalorian do it just do it just dive okay i'll just dive in dive in dive in news from comicbook.com spider-man 3 sony appears to tease tom holland crossover with toby Maguire and andrew garfield did you guys see this news oh.
1: Yeah, I did see this news. There's that weird um, foreign trailer they released. Did
2: you see the foreign trailer? It was pulled by the time I tried to see it. I did see it. Really? Does it look legit? It, okay, it was a video published by Sony Channel Latin America. It says anything can happen in Marvel Studios and Sony's Spider-Man 3 appearing to tease a crossover between Tom Holland's wall crawler and past iterations of the character played by Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. The Spanish language video titled The Spider-Man Together, the, the Three Spider-Man Together and published on the official Sony Channel uh, Latino, Latino America on YouTube asks viewers, Who is your favorite Spider Man? You don't have to choose in the Marvel multiverse, anything can happen.
1: <laughs> the video, I did not think it looked legit, to be honest with
2: you. Really, the video label, it, it comes from the official Sony channel, Latin America, Jake.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that's where it came from, but I don't know, it just. It didn't seem like the way they would reveal something like that. I mean, there it was there was no new footage. Um, the way the the words were on just such a generic background and the fonts, it it just looked fake as shit. To be honest,ly I'm not saying that this isn't going to happen, but yeah, I'm trying to find. I I may still have the link to the version of it I saw.
2: I'm the video, the video like labeled news goes on to say that in Spider-Man 3, you will quite possibly see everyone. Yes, the three Peter Parkers saving the world together. The video oh. compiles scenes from the Sam Raimi-directed Spider-Man trilogy. The Garfield-starring pair of the amazing Spider-Man films and the MCU set Spider-Man far from home. Ending the video is a message to, quote, Find out more very soon via Sony Latin America's news section. So, they, were they talking about when's when's uh, CCXP come up? When, when's that happening? This weekend? When's that happening? CCXP, CCXP twenty twenty. I'm typing it in right now. Chapao, chapao, <laughs> chapao. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new word for you,
1: chapao. Chapo! That Spider-Man if you want to see it.
2: When is CCXP? What what oh, hold on. Let me type in. Let me do this again. CCXP 2020 dates. December 3rd through December 6th. That's fucking going on now. Do we have news about this shit? Spider-Man. Yes, we
1: do. I mean, you googled it. You should it should be right there. Boom.
2: CCXP. Hold on. C- Spider-Man 3 CCXP. Nothing, Spiderman. Yeah, uh, Zendaya. (laughs) 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 Didn't she talk? She talked about Kimmel, and she would not fucking. uh, I got. I got to talk about this Zendaya thing. We had. We had a fucking iTunes review that you guys didn't get to hear it, but one of our fucking, one of our fucking listeners left a review. Hold on, I'm gonna read this shit, Jake. Should I read this? No. I shouldn't.
1: Now, fuck that review.
2: <laughs> we had one of our listeners say that they love the show, but we always pronounced. I pronounce Zendaya, Zendaya, and it's pronounced Zendaya. And they, that was their only gripe about
1: the show. But I'm and in I, the same review. They spell shit wrong.
2: In the same review, okay. the title of their review is. It's supposed to be pronunciations but they titled it pronunciations. You spelled it wrong, (laughs) fuckhead. You spelled it fucking wrong. Here we go. Yeah, Javante. This motherfucker, Javante. You spelled it wrong. Pronunciations. It's pronunciations, (laughs) Javante. And this fucking, this asshole has the fucking nerve to fucking give us the uh, phonetic spelling of his name in his fucking iTunes reviewer's name because we can't pronounce shit correctly, Jay.
1: Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Zendaya.
2: Zendaya. 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 You happy Javante? You happy Javante that I I said it right? Zendaya. I guess he was talking on Kimmel and she wouldn't reveal whether the three uh, Spider-Mans are all going to show up on screen at the same time. So she's not confirming nor denying. But you, <laughs> you said it looks like it's bullshit. Jake, what are the what are the, what are the chances that we get all three spider-man
1: I think the chances are high. I do like, too. Just because, just because I think this like, link and video is bullshit doesn't mean I think that this happening is bullshit. I I would say uh, it's like 90% at this point. Like Sony yeah. loves money and nothing's going to fucking flip people out more than doing this and I think Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are easy gets. I think they'd be both be down for this in a heartbeat.
0: Stephanie, did
3: you just yawn? I did not know. Did you I just sigh? yawn? Thank you. I just sighed, Thank <laughs> you. I just sighed. Thank <laughs> very much.
1: Signs worse. What are you signing?
3: I don't have any desire to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire on the same screen as Tom Holland.
1: Oh, well, wow. You're like the only person then.
3: Wait. Okay. (laughs) I wonder, like, yeah, I just.
1: What if they
2: all start fucking each other?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It turns into an episode of Euphoria.
0: Yeah.
3: It's, it's just like, I don't think it's going to do anything for me. I think the excitement that I got from watching all the different spider, Spy- like all the different versions of Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if this is because that was such a, because that aspect of the, of the animated movie was so popular. that They're giving it a shot now with a live with the third Spider-Man live action film. But I just don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't need it. Like,
1: I, it's I definitely a stunt. Yeah. No, exactly. no argument. There.
3: Well, here's the
2: thing: we haven't got it confirmed, but it's all been but confirmed that Doctor Strange is going to be the mentor in this movie, and we know that Doctor Strange is going to be in a movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, intru- introducing the multiverses of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And for you know, if if Doctor Strange is a big part of Spider-Man three bringing in multiverses. And, and we've heard the rumor that fucking uh, Jamie Foxx is going to be coming back and playing a different iteration of Electro. And this time he's not going to be blue, he says. And that, that that Instagram or that tweet or whatever got fucking removed. But when he fucking tweeted that or Instagrammed that or whatever the fuck he did, it had a picture of all three Spider-Men. He said, this time I'm not going to be blue, and there was pictures of, like, three Spider-Men there. Man, I don't know, man. I think, like, you may not want to see it, Stephanie, but I think it might happen. Sometimes what you don't want to happen when it happens, though, you're just like, holy fuck, man. I'm glad that happened.
1: I think the majority of people do want to see it, and it will be bananas. Yeah, it's like the
2: first time you get a finger in the butthole, right, Jake? And you're just like... (laughs) You know what I mean? You're just, just like, man, you know, dude, that's a fu- yeah, it's a, you no, know, I don't, I don't, I'm not into that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden- yeah, College flashbacks. And then you get like a finger in there and you're just like, dude, <laughs> uh, you know what? A finger's not too bad. You know what I mean? Just a finger. Just a finger. what? You know, just a little finger. We're just doing, you no know, one's
1: at, No one's asking for a fist.
2: No one's asking for a fist. <laughs> I'm just saying, just a little finger diddle. You know what I mean? And dude, it, you know, it starts to hit that, you know, you're just, whoa! Hello, I haven't felt that before. So, I-
0: <laughs> sorry. I love it. I love it. I love it when I say shit. and Nobody knows what to say.
1: I was talking with you,
3: <laughs> Ryan. You're. Are you? If this turns out to be true, are you excited or are you just? you would be anxious to see how it how it plays out on screen
2: how does it play out on screen and how does it end yeah yeah like how does it play out on screen like how does it top can it top what we saw in the uh miles morales movie the animated into the spider-verse can it top that can can it be on the same level as that you know i mean i get what you're saying like it, it feels like it's just coming off the heels of that right
3: yeah it really does yeah
1: I think it's one of those things, though, where there's a, a a limited window of being able to do this. Like, you can't wait much longer before you can have Toby Maguire and Andrew Garf- Garfield. I think you to can.
2: Play. I think you can with the de aging technology that we've got this day these days. Honestly,
1: I, I still don't think it's good enough to where that would be as cool as what we'll get if they make this movie today. I'm sure. you I mean, you can always do it with de aging and CGI, but. I don't know, I just i think
2: the time i, I don't right. I don't want them I, yeah, I don't want them to wait another fucking ten years to do it just to separate themselves from into the spider verse, but if I don't know I'm not saying I'm against it, dude, if I see all three Spider men show up in the fucking movie, I'm gonna be like, holy shit,
1: yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun, yeah, I think <laughs> it's a great idea for a spider man movie it. You know, it can, it kind of puts it in its own little corner, which is what Sony wants anyway. Like to be, you know, they want to be connected to the MCU, but they also want to have the Sony verse be a big focus. And what better way to have the Spidey Sony verse be a focus than to bring all the Sony Spider-Man together? Yeah. Hmm. We will see. You know, I sent you the link to that uh, trailer too. Really? It's still up
2: oh no shit every time i went to see it i fucking couldn't find it okay yeah i see your youtube okay i'll check that out later
1: yeah it's one of those ones usually the one you can find that stays up is where the guy will explain it after he shows it Mm. somehow those like slip through the cracks it feels like with this kind of stuff
2: did you guys see uh dc news so stephanie you're not looking forward to all three spider-men showing up
3: Uh, No, I'm looking forward to the the film, but not all three Spider Men in it together. No.
2: Are you looking forward to us pronouncing Zendaya correctly?
3: I say you should stick to what you've been doing. (laughs) Zendaya, Zendaya forever.
2: (laughs) Zendaya for I'm gonna die on Zendaya. (laughs) I'm gonna die
1: on that hill. (laughs) Oh man, Stephanie's Spider Man opinion is a real downer to me.
3: Oh, is
1: it? Come on, get excited. (laughs) <laughs> so all three Spider-Man.
3: And they weren't all three good Spider-Man. I think that's the issue too. I have is that like I didn't think they were all good Spider-Man. So like Tobey Maguire was fine. Tom Holland is my personal favorite, but Andrew Garfield can kick rocks as Spider-Man in my opinion. And so don't I don't want. I'm just not looking forward to them bringing back. I think it's a stunt, like we said earlier. And I also don't want a repeat of a Spider-Man that I didn't enjoy.
1: I think the screenplays for his movies were bad and he was a he was a fine Spider-Man.
3: Fair point. He
2: was a Jake Andrew Garfield former former pop culture leftovers Facebook follower.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to I'm trying to be nice. I don't want to offend him again.
2: He fucking He, he, he dropped off the page when you fucking he said, he said, he said, fuck Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> and literally the next week, whoever was Andrew Garfield on the page dropped off the page. <laughs> it's so true. It's a true story. It's, it's a, a true, true st- story. Yeah. Cause like when I went to that, fu- so, so somebody who, okay, on Facebook, somebody named Andrew Garfield liked pop culture leftovers. And when I clicked on their fucking name, It was set up like it was a celebrity where you could only view it if you were friends with this person. So it was super, it was super weird, like. Was Andrew Garfield a fan of Pop Culture Leftovers at one time? I don't know. Yeah,
1: usually impersonators are very public. Like, they're not going to have their shit locked down. Yeah. They're impersonating, and they want you to think they're the real person. And so. I,
2: I brought it up on an episode, and you basically said, fuck Andrew Garfield. And then <laughs> literally the next week, they were gone. They had left. They, didn't, they did not like this Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs>
1: It's awesome. I don't regret that. I think I was pretty fresh off of Amazing Spider-Man 2. You,
2: you were, and that movie was garbage. Um, <laughs> have you guys read the reactions, the early reactions? They had a Wonder Woman. This is DC. We're moving into DC News. Uh, early reactions of Wonder Woman 1984?
3: No, I haven't. I know s- I, I haven't.
2: They had a press screening. This comes from Slash Film, and uh, they had a press screening for Wonder Woman 1984 and uh, I here's the thing: we've been reporting on this, and I have like read the spoilers, and I have read like what people have, you know, said during like the um, the initial screenings of the movie before it was 100% completed with special effects and music and things like that. The first screening, the reactions were very positive. The second screening, this is odd. People did not like the movie, and now it's being. It had been, sh- it's been shown to the press and now members of the press that have seen it have offered up their takes and put their takes on social media. Uh, the first one I'm going to read here, this is from uh slash film writer, uh, why Tran Bowie? She says wonder woman 1984 is forgive the term wonderful. It doubles down on the compassion and cheese that made the first so great, as well as it's tenacious belief in the best of humanity, a magical sorely needed beacon of hope in this year. Um, It's definitely on the long, it's definitely on the long side and sometimes slathers on so much cheese that it might be a health hazard, but it's the the kind of aspirational superhero blockbuster that we need more of. Um, Jermaine Lussier says yesterday I saw Wonder Woman 1984 at home and it was everything I needed and more. The movie is hugely ambitious, incredibly exciting and full of much needed hope it's also very long to a fault at times, but mostly it reminded me how wonderful a big blockbuster can make you feel. Uh, Eric Goldman says, I've seen Wonder Woman 1984 and it's really strong. There are several powerful and ahem wonderful moments in it. And it ultimately, it's a film that plays so well for the notably turbulent era. It's opening in thanks to its message and inspiring hero. Um, goes on to say the cast is all terrific and Jenkins continues to be a perfect match as director. I do think one villain gets a much stronger third act than the other and wanted more for the other character in a couple of respects, but overall the movie works really well. Um, Brandon Davis says I've seen Wonder Woman 1984. Patty Jenkins literally made an eighties movie in every way making it so unique for today. It feels both bigger than the first Wonder Woman while simultaneously more contained. Lots of Diana Prince and some epic Wonder Woman moments as Gal Gadot literally soars. Goes on to say, Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig are the highlights of Wonder Woman 1984 for me. Pascal Pascal goes all in on a wild portrayal of Max Lord, a conflicted but vile villain. Wig's cheetah evolution throughout the movie is heartbreaking yet epic. We need more. That comes from Brandon Davis. Um, nerds of color say, had the great fortune to see Wonder Woman 1984 recently. Get excited for your Christmas present, people. That's all I'm going to say. It has its detractors. Eric Davis, I will say, Eric Eric Davis says, I'm so happy to report that uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is an absolute blast from start to finish. An exceptional uh, compliment to the first film. It's stuffed with heart, hope, love, action, romance, and humor. Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot and team delivered one of DC's best sequels. I was in tears when it ended. Um, Joe Blow. Uh, it calls it a glorious success. Um, these are a lot of great fucking um, reviews. Eric uh, Eisenberg says huge news. Wonder Woman's uh, Wonder Woman 1940 is fantastic. The story is excellent, has a great, timely message. It packs in a ton of surprises and amazing work is done with both Cheetah and Max Lord wig and Pascal are both stellar, get hyped because it's the real deal. Is this, is this just, is this just people coming out of a screening being excited or is this, are we going to see these reactions from the fans once they've seen this movie at home on Christmas day?
1: I don't know. I think it's going to be polarizing. I think a lot of what we've heard about the plot is 100% true and I just can't see all the fans falling in love with what we know they're going to get. So, And they kind of hint at some of the negativity, even in these positive reviews, with the overbearing cheesiness, with potentially being a little bit too long. I think some of that stuff is going to strike fans' nerves quite a bit. I
3: I agree. I think... Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think we're going to. I don't. I don't anticipate. I should say, um, you know, that eighty or ninety percent of the critique that fans are going to give or feedback is going to be positive. I think. I think it'll probably be split from after the movie is released. I also think the cheesiness, like Jake had mentioned earlier, um, I I can compl- I hundred percent believe that that's the case. Um, I, I, hope, I hope it's not cheesiness based on the year that it's taking place.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it could certainly fall into cheesiness easy um, being set in that in, in the 80s. I think that being very careful about that what we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm tentative about my expectations for the film myself. And so I would imagine that most fans are also.
2: Viewer Anon from Twitter. And if you guys have been following the Reddit or Twitter, and if you're familiar, familiar with Viewer Anon on Twitter, th- who has been a huge detractor of Wonder Woman 1984, and has talked about how this movie is not good, has gone on to say in reaction to these critics responses of the film and its first viewing for critics goes on to say uh, and this was literally seven hours ago from the time that we're recording this says i know this tweet is going to make some folks mad but the early wonder woman 84 reactions sound a lot like people trying to say nice things after leaving a premiere
1: yeah that's true as well it's like you if you're involved in some kind of event like that or just the specialness of knowing you're seeing some early release it's hard to come out of that and be like what a bunch of garbage it's kind of like the comic-con effect too like when people see something at a comic-con they're they're gonna go ape shit because they saw something you didn't and they not going to go, what a pile of shit that was.
2: Yeah, he went on to say, um, you know, he had somebody ask him, like, you know, it's not that bad, isn't it? And he went on to say, I'm not in a position to say, I do know certain critics who saw it yesterday are saying it's bad in private. So and he doesn't come out and say he was asked, like do they have a reason to not say publicly that they didn't like it? He did not respond, but it's like, are some of these people that are saying they enjoyed this movie, just saying that. And then like upon reflecting now in private, don't think it's as good as they thought when they first watched it. I don't know, man, Jake, I think it's just going to come down to us watching it on Christmas day and making our own decisions.
1: Yeah, And I can't blame people. I've had that happen to me with movies, too. Sure. I'm just so excited to see it and that I don't realize or see its faults that first time, you know?
2: I've been there, where too. I've been there, too. Yeah,
1: it's just the thrill of it, and you want it to be so good that... You just kind of have an eye that where you're just blind to all the bullshit until you see the movie a second, a third, a fourth time, and then you're like, "How the fuck did I like this as much as I did anyway?"
2: I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like, I here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's go back to fucking you know Wonder Woman's release. I watched the movie in the theaters. I left the theater and said, "I love it," and I still love it to this day. But everything that I've read and all the Wonder Woman spoilers that I've read for this movie have like left me kind of like doubtful that like this follow-up film is going to be as you know epic to me and i know like there's people listening to me right now that are just like what the fuck i hated wonder woman what the fuck that movie fucking sucked but for me i fucking dug it i fucking love the first wonder woman film i still think it's a fucking tupperware but here's the thing it's like this second movie like i heard like the first screenings of it originally people loved it and then the second screenings that i heard about on reddit so there's been two two screenings that they gave like if you were just let's say jake you were walking around a mall you're walking around a mall and somebody comes up to you and says hey do you want to see a movie
1: it's
2: it's the first time you're going to get to see this movie we're not going to tell you what movie it is you're going to sign this non-disclosure agreement you're going to be able to see a movie before anybody and they tell you it's going to, you know, it's going to start in half an hour and they're going to give you a free ticket to see this movie and you get to you get to watch it for the first time and you go and you fucking see it and uh, you get to decide whether you liked it or you didn't. you get to give them your thoughts at the end of the movie before the actual, you know, the final film comes out. They've done these test screenings with audiences. That, as far as I know, from what I've been following on Reddit, they've done two of these test screenings. The first one, what I heard was people loved it. The second test screening, people did not like it. Now these test screenings might not have, you know, they might not have finished special effects. They might not have like the musical score included. You know, so it's like you don't know you don't know what you're gonna get with the final film. It sounds like all these critics have been able to see the final film. They're very excited about what they saw in the final film. Everything that I've read, everything that I've seen has kinda had me worried about this one. I feel like Kristen Wiggs character just reminds me a little bit too much of fucking like, you know, um, Electro's character. In uh, in Amazing Spider-Man two and the evolution of that character and it just it kind of worries me. But man, I, I guess at the end of the day, I, you know what? I've been kind of like I'm not, I've not been a hundred percent detractor, but I've been very cautious and very worried about Wonder Woman 1984 um, going into this one, and that scares me. But man, Jake, Christmas Day comes and I turn this on. Whether I'm seeing it in the theater, whether I'm seeing it on HBO Max, if I love this movie, I'm going to come on here and I'm going to let people know whether I loved it or not. I'm going to give you my honest rating, no matter what I've ever said on the past on this podcast.
1: No, yeah, for sure. And I mean, the one advantage of being able to watch it at home is I'll easily be able to watch the movie more than once. It's not like I'm going to be able to watch it once and then, you know, have the wide eyed opinion of being excited and watching it that first time. And I think it's a little bit different this time anyway Because I I think The first time we were going in Just so excited to see it And I think this time we're a little bit down on it Just from the spoilers and you know The leaks of of the plot and everything Like I think It'll be the bigger surprise if we absolutely Love this one as opposed to the last one It would have been the bigger surprise if we absolutely Hated it
2: After the movies comes I still have the spoilers I still have the spoilers on my fucking computer Saved so after the movie comes out, if you want to see if these spoilers line up with the actual movie, send me an email. Comments at pop culture leftovers. Title it Wonder Woman.
0: Uh,
2: I guess uh, title it Wonder Woman spoilers. After the movie comes out, I'll send you a copy of what I have here, and, we'll, and you can you can judge for yourself if these leaks if this if this if these leaks line up with what actually happens in the movie. I'd be happy to send those to you.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that after the movie comes out,
2: too. Oh, 100%, 100%. Fuck, I've got fucking I've got Black Adam movie leaks and all this. I got Wonder Woman movie leaks. It's all out there on fucking Reddit and 4chan if you look hard enough, people. Um I'm I'm hoping it's great, man. I fucking I hope it's great. I I you know I'm hoping that they can keep this going. Cause I I love that fucking first movie. And, uh, I know it has its detractors. I've heard many people on other podcasts and things like that. And if you didn't like it, you know, you know what? That's your fucking, that's your fucking opinion. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on you about that. But man, I fucking, I loved it. And I thought Gal Gadot did a fantastic job in that first movie. Stephanie, what'd you think about the first Wonder Woman movie? I'm afraid to say. <laughs> oh no, go for it.
3: I thought it was good. Yeah, I didn't think it was great. My opinion of the movie was that I was glad it didn't suck because I was anticipating, because of the track record that it that uh, uh, DC movies that it would stink And I, my general takeaway from all the hype it got was that it got a lot of hype because it didn't suck, and so I enjoyed it, but it, it didn't blow my, it didn't blow me away.
2: Okay yeah i fucking i loved it that no man's land scene just fucking oh my god so good
1: yeah i liked it a ton too i always did complain about the last 30 minutes though you, you oh yeah on that yeah. last 30 minutes was like oh my god
2: i think we all kind of <laughs> didn't 100 percent love that um let's move on into uh so yeah good reactions from the first screenings of wonder woman we'll see if it lives up to that we'll see if like It'll be interesting to see, like, what the Rotten Tomatoes score for the critics and the audiences is, uh, you know, because we're going to definitely be getting audience opinions day of, day of release.
1: I'm very curious. um, Wonder Woman will kind of be the litmus test for how soon we'll get to watch these things on HBO Max. Like, is it going to be like The Mandalorian where we get to watch it at 2, 3 in the morning? Or is it going to be more like, you know, other stuff. We're at 11 p.m. Where it's the midnight somewhere. We're going to be able to watch this movie.
2: Yeah, at 12:01, are we going to be able to watch Wonder Woman?
1: Yeah, and I'm sure, however that works, will be the way kind of all those movies work. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited just for that aspect of it.
2: Star Wars news: uh, Cassie and Andor uh, TV series begins production. Narcos Mexico star uh, Diego Luna has confirmed that production has already begun on the Star Wars spin-off series. Disney Plus that is based around his Rogue One, Cassian, and character. The spy thriller series will follow the adventures of rebel spy Andor during the formative years of the Rebellion and prior to the events of the aforementioned movie. The show will explore tales of espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. Appearing on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Luna says, it's basically everything you have to know to understand Rogue One. The story of the character before I could spoil the ending, I guess. It's nice to go into a story. You already know the ending. Now you can take the nuances and the layers. I think it's fun to do something that isn't just about getting to the end. It's about delaying that. So, yeah. Uh, Geneve O'Reilly, Denise Goff, Stellan Skarsgård, Kyle Soller, Adria Arjona, and Alec Tudik co-star series will be executive produced by Tony Gilroy, and it has started fucking filming. Jake, here's the thing. Are you excited for an Andean, uh, you know, a Cassian Andor series?
1: More today than I was a year ago, I think. Definitely, after seeing the Mandalorian and the kind of stuff that can be done in a Star Wars television series, I'm I'm more excited now than I was then.
0: It's I don't still know. Not the first
1: it, character, like if you asked me to pick ten characters that deserved a television series, I never would have got to Cassie and Andor.
2: This motherfucker dies. This motherfucker dies, and K2SO fucking dies.
1: Yeah, they all fucking die,
2: dude. I don't know, dude. I don't, I do, I don't know what happens to fucking Baby Yoda slash Grogu. I don't know what happens to fucking Din Jaren, the Mandalorian. These are things I do not know. I don't know how, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like uh, the fucking Mandalorian's bringing up Ahsoka Tano. It's doing all this fucking shit. Spoilers for the chapter 14. Jake, have you, have you seen chapter 14? Yes. We got Boba Fett. These are all things. These are all things that we are seeing that are brand new going forward in this Mandalorian series. I know it's bringing in a lot of fucking, you know, uh, characters from the Clone Wars and all this other stuff. But it's it's going into like unknown territory with some of these characters. Cassian Andor series, dude, the motherfucker's dead. K2SO's dead, dude. <clears throat> like how how is this how? Like but I guess I could say the same thing about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series though. Yeah, that's true.
1: Fair enough. And I did think the most interesting thing about Cassian Andor was whatever happened before Rogue One. Like kind of the thing that bothered me about that character was I thought it was so daring to show him just kind of murder a motherfucker. But then, really, not do anything with that for the rest of the movie.
2: Well, fucking, we had. Uh, and that's the thing. That's the thing that George Lucas pulled back on. We saw fucking Han Solo murder fucking Greedo, and then he pulled back on that shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. At, at least the casting Andor thing didn't disappear. Like, no matter what happened in the rest of the movie, at least he did that, and it yeah. happened.
2: Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I don't know. I hope that I'm if I'm being honest with you, I'm not looking forward to the series as much as I'm looking forward to anything else coming out from Disney plus. Like if I'm being honest, like, I think like no, this is the... yeah.
1: If I power ranked all the the shows, throw in the Marvel shows too, this would be my bottom as well.
2: Yeah, it's like, why do we have to expound upon this character and learn more about Cassie and Andor? I don't know because what?
1: the actor is willing to do stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess I don't know. I just think like they could, they could give us another series other than Cassie and Andor. It's not that I don't like Diego Luna, and, and it's not like I didn't enjoy K Two S O, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll fucking see what they do with this shit. It's just I'm more, I'm way more excited about like any Mandalorian spin-off we might get, which at this point could be an Ahsoka Tano series. You know. A fucking I agree. A Bo-Katan Above a Fett series. series. A what?
1: Above a Boba Fett series.
2: That motherfucker's gonna die, dude. Shut the fuck up. Boba Fett's dead. Boba Fett dies and fucking the Mandalorian takes over Slave 1. The Razor razor Crest got blown the fuck up, Jake. (laughs) Dude, fucking that whole thing is set up so that fucking uh, the Mandalorian takes over Slave 1.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. God, that's going to piss people off. I love it.
2: (laughs) Dude, I don't know if I love it or not. I love the fucking team up that we got in this last episode. It made Boba Fett a badass.
1: Yeah. I mean this nothing is made of Fett more of a badass than this episode of television. The movie surely didn't. Oh I mean God. I think the thing that made him the most badass before this episode was the fact that his toy could choke kids.
2: That's true. And they they they, they didn't even put that out.
1: Yeah. It's they the pull, legend of the toy.
2: They pulled that kids. back. They didn't want to kill any children. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
1: boy. I agree though with I mean, like I said, I, I'm i more excited today than I was a year ago for this Cassie and Andor series. But yeah, I'm not like foaming at the mouth for it.
2: I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. You know, it's that's the thing. It this could surprise us, but then on the flip side, it's just like, man. I know what this Mandalorian series has become. Like when it first came out, it was like we we're gonna explore this Mandalorian. This Mandalorian is not connected to anything. And then all of a sudden, the Mandalorian's connected to everything. To everything. Connected to the fucking, you know, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka Tano, possibly, you know, Thrawn. We're getting fucking drops of like Thrawn. In the Mandalorian. It's connected to everything. It's connected to everything Clone Wars. It's connected to everything Rebels. It's all connected now. But uh, this Cassian Andor series just reeks of, like, why? I saw Rogue yeah, One. It could
1: be worse. It could be a Jen Erso series.
2: Oh, fuck that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't, I don't need that. You're right. Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> I don't need any more Felicity Jones in the Star Wars universe. Thank you. No, no. (sighs) no. We are done. That's all I got.
1: Oh, shit. I didn't expect to be eating this soon. We're done. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. We're done. Stephanie, thank you so much.
3: Thank you. This was so much fun.
2: (laughs) You're lying.
3: I'm not lying. The first 30 uh, that we said we weren't going to talk about. Sorry.
2: No, 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 no. Bring it up. If you're going to bring it up, bring it up with those with with, uh, bring it up and then explain.
3: It was just it was fun so that set the that set the scene for me to have a good time because it was fun a lot of laughs
2: Here's the thing everybody if you didn't know when I asked Stephanie to be on this episode Oh fuck you. I no I asked Stephanie I asked you if you wanted to be on this episode I sent you a message I was like Stephanie I could have sent this message to anybody but I sent it to you And I said Stephanie do you want to be on this episode and your response typically the response that I would get in the past from you It's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Brian. Yes, I would love to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you for thinking of me. I can't wait to be on. I'm really excited, and I'm looking forward to it. I sent you this message this week. Stephanie, would you like to appear on this week's episode of Pop Culture Leftovers? What was your response?
3: Sure. Don't even say it like that. I said, sure. You don't know what my inflection was. You could have put an
2: exclamation point. But you didn't. You just put, sure. Sure. (laughs) And that's where it ended. And I felt, in that moment, I felt so defeated.
3: No, you are so
2: (laughs) I did. I did. I did. I was outside, and I was taking a walk. (laughs) And at that moment, I... You ever feel like something just, like, took the breath out of you? And... (laughs) And at that moment, like, I felt like I was going to pass out. I dropped to my knees when I saw your response. And I was curled up on the ground in the middle of the road in the fetal position. I had cars honking at me. I had a gentleman come out and ask me, are you okay? And I said, she said, sure. She said, sure. And I kept saying that over and over and over again. She said, sure. She said, sure. She said, sure. "Sure." "Sure." I got taken to the emergency room. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. But, like, when you said just sure – that you wanted to be on, it hurt. It hurt a little bit. I was really expecting like more of kind of like a, like you, yeah, yeah, I want to be on, yeah, yeah.
3: But it was I never want you to feel as though I do not want to be on an episode of PCL. If I've made you feel that way, my bad. I've had a great time.
2: Oh, my God. I feel, Jake, I feel like she's, I feel like, no, I feel like, I feel like she's trying to convince me that we that she had fun. But on the flip side, like she would rather have been doing anything but this.
1: (laughs) I I believe that Stephanie had fun. I think it's recency bias because it's hard to imagine Stephanie having fun after a 30 minute Star Wars segment. (laughs) (laughs) so it's big
3: ba- this though i almost always respond to you as soon as i read the message like i don't leave it like i'll respond because i don't ever want you to think that i don't want to do it so when i read it if i'm able to join like i let you know right away because i don't ever want you to think that i don't want to be on the show
2: yeah i don't Boom. know i Put just have th-
3: your pipe and smoke it no
2: i think <laughs> that, like you know here's the thing you're fucking like like you know like you started off on this show Right. Like we brought you in, you fucking like you had your premiere on this show and you're like, I'm Stephanie and like, I'm fucking, I'm queen shit and I'm fucking awesome. I'm fucking Stephanie. I'm eating pretzels and I'm fucking awesome. (laughs) And then, and then it's like everybody else realized how fucking awesome you were. And they were like, oh, I'm going to invite, you know, fucking, I'm going to, she's the head, what do they call it? The head bitch in charge of the HBIC. They're like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna get this HBIC on my podcast, and you fucking, you've done scenic cast, you've done my one black friend, my one white friend, you've what other podcast you've been on? You've been on a fuck ton of podcasts at this point. You've done the fucking rounds and shit. You know what I mean? And so like now, it's like we come back and we ask you on, and you've you've gone off and you fucking had, you've had your way with these other podcasts and had a better times with them. And then I ask you to come back, and you're just like, oh shit. I'm, I'm d- shit that's man I've fucking done that that's old hat that is fucking that shit that I've done oh god I gotta go back to this and you know you've moved on you've moved on and then we ask you to come back and you're just like sure yeah I'll come back sure and hold why a not special
3: place in my heart PCL
2: oh yeah special place <laughs> special place in your heart special place in your heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were your first You were We were your first But you've gone on, you've done other things Ah, Jake, we've lost her
3: Yeah, it happens You never it, it forget happens. who takes your flower You never forget who takes your
1: flower <laughs> <laughs> no, no matter how bad you want to sometimes <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jake, we just I don't think we dude, I don't think I don't think we I don't think we thrill her like we used to back in the day.
1: No, and we have no tricks left. I mean, we, we, you've seen it all.
2: You've seen it all. <laughs> We've done it all. We've done it all. I I've tried, man. I've tried. I've tried to do other things. I just Can think nice I, up? We we What's up? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: i'm, like, I'm just so desperate
1: that was hilarious you took that was like the hardest fastest pause ever wait what
3: wait, what Give me- What
1: was uh, that you got an idea
2: please please
0: anything anything
2: oh um, man i feel like i feel you're, you're that movie marriage story i feel i feel so i feel odd. like I, I feel i feel like we're in that movie marriage story it's so, it's so depressing. It's so sad. Oh man, we tried it all, Jake. We can't get her back. I don't know, man. I'm scared, I'm scared to ever message you again and be like, do you want to come back?
3: Don't say that.
2: Oh shit. Oh, now I got a reaction out of you. Don't. Finally. Don't say that. Finally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man. Ah, Jake, Jake, we got we got two more episodes of The Mandalorian left this season, dude. That's
1: it. Yeah, it's crazy. What do you think? It what, flies. It just flies by.
2: What do you think? How do you think the season's going to end, dude?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I really think you're onto something with the uh, the death of Boba. I could see that happening right away this season.
2: Okay, who's the who's the Jedi, man? Who's the Jedi?
1: Ah. <sighs> Gosh, I, I just don't know. I almost hope it's someone I almost hope it's not someone we know. I know that's not doesn't make for a fun reveal, but most of the options of people we know I don't I don't I don't know. It just doesn't really excite me.
2: The only options that we know that are living
1: that I know of are are Luke, Leia, and Ezra. Yeah, I don't like those three options. I want anything but those three.
2: Well, there's the two from that video game.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, I video game people. <laughs> now I want Leia. <laughs>
2: what is it? Cal Kestis, and I can't remember the other one. I don't know. We'll see.
1: What do you think? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope the last episode's a big, long one, like the first one.
2: Yeah, I was surprised that this last one was Robert Rodriguez.
1: Oh, I wasn't, like, by watching it. I was
2: surprised by the end. Like, it made sense when I watched it, but then, like, like when I saw it at the end, I was like, holy shit, it was Robert Rodriguez. I, I thought that Robert Rodriguez was going to do the penultimate or the final episode.
1: Yeah, just with those, um, the fight sequences made it painfully obvious to me. Yeah. It looked like fucking Spy Kids meets Mandalorian.
2: Yeah. All right, let's end this fucking thing. Jesus Christ, we lost Stephanie.
1: She's not. I know. We went back to Star Wars. What's that movie?
2: (laughs) What's that movie? She's not. She's not that into into you. Is that what the movie is called? Movie. That's you right now with us. Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I enjoyed myself thoroughly.
2: Oh my god, she's so good at lying.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why we got involved in the first place, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, we I love having you on, Stephanie. I absolutely love having you on. You're a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me. I had a blast.
2: Oh god, what was this? Three? There
1: th- we go again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode. I don't even know what fucking episode we're on now. Is it 358? Sure. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next week with 359. <laughs> see you next week. See ya. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying I just listened to two hours of
1: nonsensical crap.